Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Encanto and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain? We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Taryn Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. We have a great episode for you, and we are uh, coming at you with... Uh, a movie that a lot of people were surprised we didn't do, and now that we've seen it, I would agree it needed to be done. <laughs> well, before we do that, Tara, this is the last episode of our Disney season. Whoa. Like this is it. This is the Ooh. finale. Wow. We, we we went through every movie. Oh, you know, we had a really every animated movie. We added movies in there of the Disney catalog and. We'll get to it in a bit, but this was one that a few people told us, like, hey, how come you're not doing this one? And and we'll go into why in a second. But the, the leader of that charge, I believe, was <laughs> the one saying, like, hey, are you going to do bed knobs and broomsticks? Was uh, this week's guest, uh, Ryan, is, is coming back and visiting us. Hello. It's Ryan. I'm back. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Other Ryan, as I, I think you say in all of your. Yeah. Uh, yes. Other Ryan. Yes. Other now, Ryan. Ryan, we we agree with you. We definitely well. First, there's something I want to do before anything. I want to see if Ryan can remember off the top of his head the words for the substitutionary locomotion spell. Traguna Macoides Tricorum Sadis D. That's pretty yes, impressive. Yes, that's great. Uh, I would I would not remember it at all. But. I feel like I knew them a little bit because this was a movie that they so in like the 90s they they re-released it with the additional yes. like 20 some odd minutes of footage which there is even more footage we didn't see yes which i know that yeah the corbello road scene has like 45 minutes i think it's some like it can't time. be f- it, now it's, it's 10 minutes the way it is it's on disney not in Plus. there now but it's I only saw, 10 minutes it's I ten- saw showing at alamo one time and it was like i remember going through portobello road and thinking i could go ahead and go get a drink and go to the bathroom and come back and we're not even halfway through like what's yeah that? well they have yeah. this weird like united colors of benetton sequence where it's like every i called <laughs> it, it was like this could be well cut. i refer to it as the colonization <laughs> like <laughs> dance where it's like here's everybody britain has taken over but um <laughs> d- I, and we'll get into it yeah we'll get in into second it half but but what for for me, it come it comes back out. They they do a re release in the nineties on Disney Channel. There's a big thing behind it. Like it was like you know they didn't release like DVDs and stuff like that and like yeah. tapes. I, I think they'd have to put more tapes together to do it. But they had like Angel Lansbury come on and do stuff on Disney in like ninety six. Mm-hmm. I think it was and like say oh it was a big thing. It was that night they had Michael Eisner be like hello. Tonight we're seeing bed knobs and broomsticks and this yeah. is a long version. And they used to, they, I, I saw that and they had. King Leonidas oh. as a walk around character, which That's I thought fun. was interesting. Um, uh, but, but yeah, so it came back out. So it came back out then. Sorry, and 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 I remember that that scene of her going Traguna and like doing the the words was like the the beginning, and then it would go into the commercial of like. Bed knobs and broomsticks mm. this Sunday at seven. So that's how I knew it. Yeah, but I don't think you mentioned neither one of us have seen it. I had never seen it all the way yeah. through, wow. and I knew nothing about it. I knew that like they traveled 
with the bed. <laughs> yeah. But that was about it. So I didn't know any of the witchcraft bit. And I was so into that. And I was like, I just want more of her like practicing to be a witch. Like that right? was like super fun. And we'll get into it with the plot here. But I'm so curious since it sounds like it's one you've watched many times, you know. Why did you stump so hard for this, Mm -hmm. for this to be part of it? I grew up watching this. I feel like we, I probably saw this more than Mary Poppins somehow. It's probably because we recorded it off of uh, Disney Channel. But it has all the, all the best stuff because you have like all the classic Disney songs and dances and you have like the blended live action animation stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my favorite subgenres, like um, kids being shuttled out of London because of the bombing movies. Now, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, as soon as that happened, I was like, Oh, this really happened. Cause it's like the basis for <laughs> lying, the witch in the wardrobe is that's why. Exactly. And then it's mm-hmm. like an episode of Dr. Who like it's, yeah. yeah, that whole thing was a real thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember when, uh, whenever, whatever grade I was in, when uh, we had the first Iraq War, it's like, oh man, is this? Am I gonna have to go like to the countryside? Is that a thing that happens still? But it's obviously did, not. But. Did we? Did you think that Iraq was coming to Plano? Is that something you were worried about? I think at that time I didn't have a great concept <laughs> of like you know the military structures or comparisons or where that was, was yeah yeah i was coming out of cold war time i thought you know maybe russia is still you know right that now not to invoke like the greatest <laughs> national tragedy this country has ever had but i remember in 9 11 we were all so sure that the next target was southern methodist university in dallas because right. laura bush was a theta at SMU and that was like Osama like number one <laughs> the the like greatest city in America number two our first lady's alma mater <laughs> like I just like later <laughs> that week we were like we're next be careful and then like a week later we're like that's the stupidest thing but like making I, I I will feel like this movie I was really nervous when I realized Nazis were a part of this movie as we were watching it last night and oh, I, yeah. I will say that's something to think about if you're showing this to kids and we'll get in that is it appropriate. But it was it didn't it wasn't as as I thought it was gonna be. It was just yeah. like these guys are the bad guys and here's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's what I liked a lot about it. Like there's a lot of the um the fun way to process for kids like some of the tragedies going on around them. Not that this was out in World War Two, but mm-hmm. You know, they, there's all this really serious stuff going on, like bombings and Nazis invading, and they, they get to go on a magical journey to kind of deal with it. It's always really fun. The whole yeah. thing about Mr. Brown, that was his name, Amelia's yeah. Brown. Yes. Him, Brown. <laughs> because he lived in that those rich people's houses because there was an undetonated bomb that had landed yeah, in the front. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is so, f- like, I, I will say, I think the I wish they had the shorter version on Disney Plus because there I was like there were parts where we were like we're looking at our phone. Well, but we, we were just charmed. They were like, these are so many charming things on it. Yeah, and we didn't want to like fast forward because we were really enjoying it. So it was like we didn't want to miss something. So it was like having the other version. But I guess where we should start is 1971. So mm-hmm. that's the year it came out. Yeah. Uh, it was based on some books, uh, the Magic Bed Knob. How to Become a Witch in 10 Easy Lessons. Th- those uh, are the same book. It was like, or. 
Oh, those I had. I read that they were both listed as 1943, and then there was a third one, mm-hmm. Bonfires and Broomsticks. And well, that's what I'm saying. The first one is like the whole title of the book is oh, Magic Bed Knobs, or which How to Become a, a Witch. The whole concept of mailing away <laughs> to do an, a correspondence yeah. class mm-hmm. is so funny. Like yeah. I was like, this is really inventive. So the books were by Mary Norton, and so that's that's kind of where they base them off of, uh, and kind of say like piggybacking off of what you were talking about with the longer version and you know like how they came out with extra footage there uh when they premiered it they premiered it at radio city music hall and the Mm -hmm. christmas show that goes on there with the rockettes was go goes so long that they had to cut an to an hour and 57 minutes so they said you have to keep this below two hours yeah so the song with a flare and step in the right direction were cut Yes. Mm-hmm. So I found that interesting. Yeah, it sounds like you guys knew about it, but uh, yeah. The version I grew up with did not have with a flare in it. Oh, I never heard okay. that song until just a like you know when the the new release came out. Which yeah. one's with a flare? Is that the one where they're in the library? And he's That's trying. That's when he's in the street doing his magic act. Yeah, doing his he, magic. Like, can't do it when he's in like the London alleyway. And he's like, when he sets the up the whole. The... We'll get to it. He does a song there. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah. It's fine if you don't. It's not the best. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say this this movie didn't ha- like we part of the reason I didn't watch it growing up was I think my mom is such a Mary Poppins stan like to the point where she like won't see the new one. Won't like is it refused didn't like Pete's Dragon didn't like this because they felt like trying to recapture some Mary Poppins magic. Oh wow. And yeah. So that's why she's like we're not watching this. Like she just didn't keep me from watching it but like i'm beholden to whatever like my mom wants to happen in the house so yeah. when i'm a kid so like if yeah. i if she's like turn it off whatever um i so i just it was like well this is going to be like a b-rate mary poppins and i will say yes absolutely that's what it was and it was in some of the best ways possible mm-hmm. but a lot of the music i went well this will never stick in my head some of them will but like yeah some of them, some of them are, are catchy but uh, it was nominated for several Oscars, Best Art Direction and Set Decoration, uh, Best Costume Design, and Best Music Original Song, That which was Age of Not Believing, was the song that was nominated. Uh, mm-hmm. It did not win for any of those. Uh, it Nicholas, did win, though. Yes, it okay. won for something else. Okay. Nicholas and Alexandria won, I don't know that movie, but they won for Art Direction and Costume Design, and Fiddler on the Roof won for Best Original Song that year. But best music, the score. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sorry, that one was also nominated. They didn't win. Uh, that was Summer of '42, which I don't know that movie either. Mm-mm. It did, however, win for best effects and special visual effects. So it did win the Oscar for that. But it was nominated for five, which I thought was pretty impressive that they were nominated for five different Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to bring up Filler on the Roof, uh, the top three movies of that year in reverse order are The French Connection. Billy Jack and Fiddler on the Roof, mm. and of course, number five, Diamonds Are Forever, as we like to point oh, out, yeah. which Bond oh, yeah. movie that year? Bond. Yes. And what a what a fascinating broad spectrum of movies coming out in seventy one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I feel like it's all Marvel or all you know what yeah, I mean. Every, like it's all like these yeah. wild blockbusters, but it's kind of fun to go back. That's what was fun about going back and doing research for this one is it brought me back to 
that point in our podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we've come such a long way. So it was kind of fun to go back and read different facts and things like that. And so I've got a lot of different facts. I don't know what you have for research. Let me talk a little bit about how this movie got made because they got the rights to the movie, to the book in 1945. Mm -hmm. Like right after it came out, while it was like, we'll grab this but then they started doing work on mary poppins in the in the early 60s yeah mary poppins came out in 64 and as we all know from our podcast and from saving mr banks it was a troubled production of trying to get her to you know finally sign the rights over to do the movie after they'd done yeah the the richard the richard brothers who did the music in mary poppins and the music in this and an interview i saw the sherman the sherman 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 brothers Brothers. is like that's, yeah. I don't know why I call them the Richard Brothers. Um, the Sherman Brothers, who I saw did an interview for this movie, were like, they. you could tell, like, someone said, like, P.L. P. Travers didn't want to give us the, the P- Pamela, I think they referred to her, Pamela didn't want to give us the, the rights, and, and then one of them, the older one, goes, even though we've been working on the movie for, like, two and a half years, and it's like, <laughs> I, part of me is like, you can't just do it and then expect, like, yeah, you don't well, get to put in the word. I read a couple things about them. When it was cut down for Radio City, mm-hmm. they refused to renew their contract with Disney because it happened multiple times where like songs that they wrote got cut and things yeah. are happening. And so they didn't do another movie for Disney until I believe the Tigger movie in yeah. two thousand. Yeah. Well, so, this was when. Sorry, I, no. Go ahead. A cool uh, documentary on the Sherman Brothers. If you want to do a deep Disney music dive. Oh yeah. yeah I think that's I, on Disney. Plus. Yes. It's, it's on the brothers on Disney plus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But they talk about how they had after Walt died in what was that? 63. No, no, no. Like 67, 67. I think anyway, it's later. After, yeah. Like they left like within a year or six months and then they would come back every once in a while. So they were in this phase, they came back for this movie after doing a couple other things. I think if I'm remembering right. And they, uh, that's why they had a contract because they before they were just the studio guys that would just do everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know they came. They they did stuff with Epcot. I know they did music for Epcot. Yes, so like thing they in between yeah. this and Tigger in 2000, I know they did stuff with Epcot as well. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. I had also read that someone at dis whoever at Disney, uh, the powers that be, decided that this was technically too complicated, and that's why they went back over to Mary Poppins as well. So, because this was also, they were working on both of these at, at right. one point, at the yeah. kind of at the same time. The big joke was, is they tried to put all this stuff together, because the, the Sherman Brothers would do story as well. Like, it was like kind of like everybody had story credits, because yeah. it was a big team effort coming up with a story. And there's a there's a uh, picture, and I'll try and find this and post in the group. But it's someone drew this afterwards, where it was they were pitching songs and story to Walt, and they looked over and he'd like fallen asleep, mm. <laughs> and they were like, okay, so he's and they were like, he's like, there's something here, but you guys haven't got it yet. Let's push forward on getting Mary Poppins through. Yeah. So I think what happened then after Walt passed is they went, okay, well we've got like we've worked on this a little bit more. Let's push it like because I think a lot of the stuff that came out after Walt passed was stuff he had looked at or like maybe passed on, but said like there's something here. Let's keep kicking on it and like work on like Jungle Book was like that. Yeah. Those type of things. Yeah. I had also read that 
they wanted to drop the movie entirely, but it was the Sherman brothers who insisted that they finish, mm. like that it go it w- goes after Mary Poppins. Right, they they kept going with it. Did you guys know that there is a musical version that has recently opened of this movie a couple years ago in UK and Ireland? No. No. I just, I, I saw that. That That's was very interesting. interesting. Can I tell you another interesting fact about it? Mm-hmm. They asked a lot of different actresses to do it. One of the actresses they wanted to do it was Julie Andrews. Yeah, I have, I have a bunch of things about that. Did you get that she said no? She said no originally, and then she came back around and wanted to do it. And at but that they'd point, already Angela signed. Lansbury, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I, yeah, I found that super interesting also because they were kind of working on them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, the, it, it's all kind of very fascinating. I, I'm curious, like, when was she offered that part? And, you know, when did she change her mind? Like, was it how far along in Mary Poppins or was it after Mary well, I Poppins think it was, came out? Yeah, I think it was when they had decided we're going to. It was probably late 60s, early. Got it. So, know, yeah, it was after yeah. her career blew up from Mary Poppins. Absolutely. It yeah. was, but she was like, I don't want to be typecast because this is very similar. Yeah. And I, I think it is on the outside, but I think when you watch it, it's like it's definitely of the same DNA. I, as, I think, too. I kind of like that it was Angela Lansbury because Mary Poppins works so closely with the father in mm-hmm. Mary Poppins, yeah. who is B- Brown, the Professor Brown in this one. I can't remember the actor's name. Yeah. David Tomlinson, I think. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. it would. I think it would have been too. You know, I think you would have been trying to make connections and things because you knew them in a relation. You know, in the the way that they related to one another in Mary Poppins. So I like that it. At least one of them was different. It and also I liked him weird having... when they fell in love at the end. Or, yeah. And you're like, I... oh no, Mr. Banks. What about Mrs. Banks? <laughs> yeah. I liked that he was like a big focus. Like I enjoyed him a lot. Like as we get into the story. Well, uh, it's, it's interesting because they asked, I, didn't, I don't remember which actor it was, but they asked another actor to do it. And he said he would only do it if he was top billed over Angela Lansbury. And Disney was like, no. Yeah. And he went, well, I'm not going to do it then, which, you know. And it was interesting because halfway through I went, this feels almost like Mr. Brown's story. Yeah. And that was it another does complaint a bit. I had is she got sidelined a couple times. Yeah, I've got some notes about Whoa. that later on. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Miss, um, it's not Miss, it's Dame Angela Lansbury. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, I read. Uh, she hated what she called, in quotes, by the numbers acting. And in this movie, because of the heavy special effects, the entire movie was storyboarded in advance. So every moment's predetermined. So for her, she felt she wasn't free to explore her character naturally. So something that she would have liked to do, she couldn't really do in this. Mm -hmm. So and I think I think there's another movie or uh, I don't know if there's like a sequel or whatever out there or maybe if they try to redo it, I would love more of her story. Like I was so fascinated of she ends up in this house all alone, you know, yeah. like she talks about her father a little bit and like her opening scene. And again, like once we go into the plot, but I love her entrance, like her entrance is so great. And I just feel like she's such a quirky and eccentric character. And I kind of want it more of that. Was there something with her? Like when they came in, they're like, Oh, her, motorcycle smells like sulfur it's like you can't use sulfur in a motorcycle i'm like is this what we're gonna learn that she's figured out a way to like run her motorcycle on eggs or something because it had that weird smoke yeah. like i didn't know if yeah it was... yeah or maybe it was a spell maybe yeah. 
And like they just maybe it was something that got cut out. I don't know. But the effort of making the exhaust yellow to look like sulfur. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Did you guys know there was a whole. So Roddy McDowell is third build in this. And if you don't know who Roddy McDowell is in this movie, he's the pre the preacher, the the local religious man who's in the movie for maybe a sum total of four minutes. Yeah, he's at the beginning first scene and then towards the end first scene. There was an entire subplot. That's part of the thing that got cut out. Didn't make it back into the redo about him wanting to marry Miss Price, mostly to get all of her property. All of her like oh, land and her big house and all like this. That. I'm glad they got that storyline. But that would just like complicate things further. I feel like he was yeah. even cut out more in the ver- like in the version that made it to Radio City Music Hall. Mm-hmm. So you have Roddy McDowell, who at that time had been like in a bunch of movies and was in um, Planet of the Apes and stuff like that. Was kind of a rising star at that point. Yeah, and he's just in the movie for. 45 seconds going oh we're so glad you got these kids like that was his only scene in the movie mm. and he's third build and you watch it and you're like what is going on here but i just thought that was it was fascinating i agree with you it needed to be cut out but i also am like could you have cut like in, in the, the 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 day of re the you know we have reshoots now they would just reshoot anything they needed from that scene and just completely cut yeah. them out yeah. um I, I i think this this movie is ripe for a like short like limited series on yeah. Disney Plus like you could oh, like yeah, redo that would be good. where yeah. it is like you, then you could explore more if if I could watch now I don't know if America uh, you know the the viewing world is interested in this but like the most interesting thing to me that I've said is the idea of a correspondence magic school yeah especially I love the idea and in, in, in the movie it well I'll hold it off till we get to the movie in case anybody else yeah. hasn't seen it but like I could watch a whole movie about like this is the first lesson i you know you could do like the kids slowly mm-hmm. find out i think you could extend everything in here and just have a short like six season whatever a six episode season there's and, so many little great vignettes to explore with yeah like, you yeah. know weird times during world war Two and going to either fantastical islands or going into other weird cityscapes or yeah, what yeah, yeah uh-huh yeah what i found really interesting is because you had Dame Angela Lansbury, Roddy McDowell, and Robert Stevenson, they all immigrated to the U.S. from the U.K. due to the outbreak of World War II. Mm. And so David Tomlinson was a flight lieutenant in the Royal Air Force, and Robert B. Sherman served in the U.S. Army and was one of the first Allied soldiers to see, uh, I don't know that I'm going to pronounce, it's a concentration camp, but I don't know that I'm going to say the name of it right. The Dachau? Yes. Uh, so he It wouldn't was be one a Taryn Ryan's Princess Diaries episode without a, us not knowing how to pronounce it. So a do- the, the Dachau concentration camp, and he used his time recuperating from a gunshot wound to the knee to learn about the English people and their culture. Uh, and then Manfred Ladding, L-A-T-I-N-G, and Fred Helmick were native-born Germans who had lived under Nazi rule. Oh, those must have been the Germans oh. at the so end. So yeah. I just, yeah. I that like really made me think about like look at this movie from a different perspective after reading that because I was like, you cast a lot of actors that like lived through this, and I don't think I really put that together when we watched it. I we, I did my research backwards. Usually I do it before, uh, and so. That was just really fascinating to me to look at it from like their point of view and, you know, what that must have been like, even though it is kind of this 
magical thinking, you know, fun Mm -hmm. movie, there's a lot of, like we've already mentioned, there's a lot of like serious undertones of of what's going on um, at the time. And so, yeah, so it was just interesting to me that pretty much everyone who worked on this had some sort of direct connection because of their ages and because of World War II. And I don't know if this is an accurate portrayal or if it's just you know Mary Poppins and perhaps this movie have had such a uh, influence on the American perception of the British experience during World War II. But I, I I feel like both of these movies do a good job of like the British experience in some ways. Like yeah. Mary Poppins, there's the good like you know like the children just want to be children, but they're like there's the stuffiness of the British household. And this one, I really really enjoyed. You know, from what I've seen in other media of this period, the like we're all in for the war effort. Like that's the whole thing is the whole movie is based on the fact that she wants to become a witch so she can help the war effort. It's yeah. it's it's not like, oh, I just want to become a witch. It's this is I'm doing my yeah. part for Queen and Country. It's like very selfless acts. Yes. Yeah. And I think that was very, you know, for you know, it's two movies, you know, uh Dick Van Dyke's Cockney accent notwithstanding. Uh <laughs> like is very accurate to that attitude and I think it's interesting that, you know, these always feel like British movies that Disney put out. It's like, no, these were like this movie was all done on sound stages in California. Like the two non the two location shots were um, one was they did some shots of actual castles in in England. But mm-hmm. then the other one, which is the Nazis like coming off the submarine in the ships onto the shore. That's that's you're looking at the California coast right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what that's the the we got to get some authenticity. I know we'll we'll drive out to the coast. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's one of the cool things that Walt Disney seemed to do really well is glean those like cultural touchstones mm-hmm. out of these stories because both of those you know, Mary Poppins and this were written or based on books written by people from England or grew up in British culture and he worked you know like you said there, he was he had a lot of hand in working on this while. Mary Poppins was in trouble mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, just being able to glean some of those things that we think of as like quintessentially British, especially in these times. He mm-hmm. seemed to have a fascinating way of like pulling all that out. It's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple things that I had read, you know, going back to the Mary Poppins connection. Another thing here, the beautiful briny sea, which I really liked that whole sequence. When we get to it, we'll talk about it. But it was originally written for Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And I I kept saying it was reminiscent to me of the carousel when they're doing kind of the, the horse yeah. race. And it, it wasn't the same, but it kind of had that feel. Jolly holiday. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that was kind of fun to think about, you know, that they they used it there. And then something I wanted to mention back when we were talking about the awards that it was nominated for, this is the last Disney-branded movie to receive an Academy Award to Little Mermaid in 1989. Wow. So I found that really interesting because that's kind of when they they start, you know, almost all over again. Disney Renaissance starts Mm -hmm. with Little Mermaid. So I thought that was interesting as well. My last couple things are things to look out for, so I don't know if you have anything else. My last couple things are things to look out for, and then the last one I'll give the last little fact that I think everyone will find fascinating. Okay. I'm, I feel like I'm building up this fact. It's really not that exciting. I'm like, <laughs> you're all going to love it. Um, anyway, go ahead. I, will. Oh, uh, I have real fast. That yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. You, I say first because they're not that interesting. No, you go. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm sure it's interesting. One of them, so Reginald Owen, 
he was the guy who was like the retired general who was leading the old home guard. Who I also loved that. I loved that group and that song. Yeah, did you so wait? Fun. Did you say he was Admiral Boom or he was he's the same guy who's Admiral Boom and Mary Poppins? I yeah, okay. Right. I you know. said this guy that. really feels was, like that character. I said he sounded just like Admiral Boom, and but we didn't look it up. Thank you for he's mentioning like that because <laughs> I this was his last movie too. He, oh. he uh, this. yeah, yeah. I, oh, sorry. I thought I spotted one of the nannies from Mary Poppins and Ryan went down that rabbit hole and that was not the case. Mm -hmm. So then I think we were like, oh, that probably can't be Admiral. (laughs) So I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's great. Do you have anything else? The other only other thing. So that old home guard, um, one of my good friends, uh, Daniel Turner, check him out on social media he uh, does a lot of like silly songs and stuff but he had a band i was about to say is he in the is he in the public eye like because you were like check him out it's like just some dude on facebook we're all like he gets all these friend requests after this he's like who are these people he's like a really fun crazy creative person he like wrote a children's book and he made a musical and he has a lot of fun little songs for some for kids and some for adults but he had a band called old home guard and uh i was the only one to recognize her i love that so much that's awesome we'll get into them but the old horde guard was pretty quickly when we went i think we're going to enjoy this movie yeah yeah uh so a few things to look out for several of the dolls that carrie admires in the nursery uh of professor brown's house that he's borrowing (laughs) that he's he's basically crashing at uh they were based on the international puppets from it's a small world at disneyland oh no way so yeah so something that i i will probably go back and i'm just curious i kind of want to see them uh another thing to look out for is there's a hidden mickey and it's an oh did you have this one is it the soccer game yeah do you want to Oh, it's, if you're looking at, there's a big scene and, you know, they're in the box in the middle on the upper right. And it's not even really a hidden, hidden Mickey so much as that it's the three dots. It's a, there's a character that's wearing a Mickey it's mouse a shirt. Yeah, it's a bear, it's a bear wearing bear. Mickey's mouse's face on his, on his shirt, which I thought was very funny. And it's very clear to see. I'll, po- I'll post a picture yeah, of it. It's a, in the crowd. And I read towards the right side mm, of the frame. Upper right. So, Yeah. I think, he's, uh, I think he's on the last row, if I remember correctly. Okay. Uh, I have something about the armor, which we'll get into that in the second half, because I think we were like really fascinated mm-hmm. about how that all worked. Can I uh, jump in with one fact real quick? Yes. The fishing bear. Okay. Uh, who catches them out of the lagoon. Oh, yes. And brings them. He, I, I missed the, the character's voice, but he, if you're a big Disneyland fan and you like Big Thunder Mountain, he's the the announcer oh, on Big Thunder Mountain. Tells cool. you're about to go on like, the rip roaring is... Thing. He's got like a, a kind of a, a, a prospector voice. Yeah. But I thought That's that was cool. fun. Uh, so the armor, we uh, find that. That we, scene was re- great. Yeah, that scene was great. We'll talk about it in the second half. But in the battle scene, this armor was previously used in Camelot in 1967 and El Cid in 1961. And apparently when any item of the armor was destroyed, they made exact fiberglass replicas. Mm. So I guess, you know, they because they did a lot with the armor. So I guess they had some casualties along the way. Uh, The opening credits sequence uh, is a homage to a very specific tapestry that was made in France. It's like a seamless 
like linen cloth. Uh, and it was made during medieval times. And it tells the story of the Norman conquest of England. <laughs> so that's kind of what that's based off of. I don't remember hearing this, but apparently there's a goofy holler during the football game, but they call it a soccer game. But that like... That was like really getting to me, and it's because I watched finished Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. But you know, <laughs> so I would have like, called it. Why soccer. are they calling it soccer? I would have called it soccer this whole time, but because it takes place in the UK, I was like, it doesn't, Tara. It takes place on the island of Nabumbu, which could oh, be why it's soccer. You're there. right. Why there. it's soccer there? Yes. I bet that's how they they justified that. They but, probably didn't justify. So much for care. grabbing British culture. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, no. <laughs> So, because the characters, Professor Brown, he talks about Man City. He yeah. talk and but he says soccer, and I was like, that feels weird to me for him to say soccer, even though. But yes, yeah, so there's was, been an expert on the 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 game of football for but since my, Ted Lasso, but like my, since a few weeks. Yes, now. <laughs> but my fact with the soccer game, there's a goofy holler in there somewhere. When King Leo kicks the hyena, and I don't remember hearing it, but usually, yeah, I, we would like listen out for those kinds of things. I will say you were kind of like this is where the move because that Portobello Road scene is so long. Is long. You were kind of like this. You might have checked out, out just a tiny yeah, bit here so, and there. So, uh, and then I just have one last thing. Oh. oh. You sent us something. What are you doing? Oh, sorry. I put it in the chat because I didn't want to interrupt y'all. But oh, that, no, you're fine. Oh, well, we voice done a ton of Disney voices. I just like had a, the wiki pulled up and I clicked on it. And he's done like an infinite amount. Like he did half the animated voices in Mary Poppins. And- who, oh, yeah. yeah. Who the, the, again? The, 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 what's, what's the actor's name who did the fishy hair? Dallas McKinnon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I always love those connections. So seeing like all the voices that they do and like how that overlaps. Thurl and... Ravencroft does a voice in Portobello Road. For yeah, a yeah, you him. can hear it for a second. Yes. Uh, and the last thing that I had was that it's the last Disney movie released while Roy Disney was alive. Mm-hmm. He passed away a week after the premiere. So the U.S. premiere. So that's kind of all I have as far as facts and things go. My final fact is if you can get a tour of the Walt Disney archives, you'll be able to see the actual bed knob. <gasps> really? Uh, Not the whole bed, just, just the knob? Just the bed knob. All right. I got. I think I was picturing the whole bed at they, first. They have a couple other things. They have Dr. Professor Brown's like collapsing... That's which is cool. really that cool because that was like a real that, effect. Yeah, that was a cool. And thing. then they have the the book that's the isle the island of Nabumbu mm-hmm. book, which we will get into this because I think this version of the movie feels too long, and that was like like really enjoyed this movie. Had a few minor quibbles, and one of them was length, and I, so that the point in the movie where he reveals that the 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 words were always in the book oh yeah i felt the same thing the other characters felt where i'm like you really wasted our time because <laughs> like, <laughs> like, at that point yeah. i was like come on like it was late and we were, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. So, so. yeah but I, I i think we're good does anybody else here have any i don't think so i think we're gonna dive into the the plot here in a few minutes absolutely but i am excited to say that for the first time in a long time you can actually take the vhs out of yes. the clamshell and stick it in yeah. the vcr yeah. or this one because yeah. if i remember correctly it did have a clamshell version Great. that's how i remember it so see you on the other side listeners
Well, welcome back, listeners. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed your watch through of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I'd like to see if Tara remembers the five words for the. Absolutely not. Can I you don't try? even think I could say the first one. Can you get close? No. You're not even going to try. <laughs> no, I'm not going to okay. try. Because right. I know, I know I won't. No, okay. I won't. I didn't know. absorb them. They didn't stick with me. Uh, I was so impressed that you had them like without, like, you didn't even oh. have to think about it. <laughs> ready, ready to go. Yeah, ready to go. What great. if he had a, like, he did this and he had a medal? Like, it was the, <laughs> the, the, the medal. Yeah, that'd be so good. Uh, I feel like it's a good trivia question, though. Like, if there's a Disney trivia, mm-hmm. I feel like that's one that, like, I feel like people would know it, but it's also one that you'd be annoyed at yourself for not knowing it, too, right? Like, if you missed one. I think whatever. it'd be like, you'd, you'd hear the bar go, <laughs> like, yeah, like the, uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah trying to figure it out uh but it uh opens oh we already talked about that uh, sorry let me start again it opens and the first thing you read was contains tobacco depictions because now disney kind of lets us know that but i don't think i saw anybody smoking who was smoking Probably maybe someone one of the in that fish? market scene, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. I'm yeah. sure. Somebody I has a pipe. I remember a pipe being in there somewhere. Yeah, but there's, so maybe that's there I'm somewhere. kind of shocked they didn't go, like, includes Nazi Germany references yeah, or something. Yeah, like that to me, and well, that's something that we should probably say here, is that potentially could be a trigger warning Yeah, for, we, we brought it up earlier, but yeah, like, yeah. there is, I would say that they're pretty... They're just presented as like kind of this looming threat, and then in the last act, they're the bumbling bad guys in a lot of ways. They're kind of the res- they get their butt kicked in a funny yeah. way, but like you know that's probably triggering to some people in a way that's not as triggering to me. So yeah, uh, but the opening credits were still at the point. Remember when I used to track this? That it they front loaded the credits, mm-hmm. so we're still at the at the point in time where like all the credits are at the beginning, and we kind of talked about that sequence, kind of looking like a tapestry, and I I enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of fun to to see all of that work that they did there for the credits. Yeah, um, I love that tapestry. I think that's just so fun to get, and you get a preview of all the different scenes in the movie and stuff. Yeah. But it's, not too much information either the way it's styled. Exactly. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's really neat how they put that together. Uh, and um, we noticed, of course, Sherman Brothers music. The other thing, because this is before we did our it backwards and did research afterwards, which we rarely do. Rarely never do. Done. We've never done. I don't think we've ever done it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you noticed, is it Ward Kimball? Ward Kimball is. One of the nine old men was credited uh, in, in the credits. He's like the head of animation on this sequence. So and that was kind there of was a lot of stuff I saw. There was one video I found on YouTube that was it looked like he had someone had like spliced together multiple making ofs and it was not good because it was like jumping around real weird. But they did a lot of stuff with the nine old men talking about it. This was, you know, we were watching the, the animation and we said this looks like, you know, Jungle Book robin hood there's a lot yeah. of repeated animation for someone who watched the heck out of jungle book i saw or of out of mm-hmm. uh, robin hood i went oh that's someone does this in robin hood someone when the when the cheetah's running pulling his pants up someone mm-hmm. does that in robin hood this, yeah that, it was other. fun it was fun to kind of go back to that time period i mm-hmm. will say because we've been away from it for a while uh both of us were kind of confused about the quote uh that comes up it says august 1940 and then it says again a time for valor a time of whispered events now fade it with the passing years. 
And now even after seeing it, I'm like, I don't know that that what did that mean? was needed. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. You've seen it a lot. So, like, do you have any insight as to, to why you think that's there or what that helps you? I wonder if that the best I can come up with is that since they're talking about, like, a secret invasion, like, you know, Germany had always threatened to invade England, but never really did. Mm. But when you hear like, oh, there's this secret story, nobody ever talks about it, or, you know, they deny that this ever happened, but almost like the opening to Hunt for Red October, you know. Got oh, it, right. yeah. So they're painting. That's all I can say, because 30 years later, probably still pretty fresh on people's minds. <laughs> like, well, yeah, It's, it's yeah. interesting you say Germany never invaded England, because remember that movie? This, this felt like this, because I thought maybe this was one of those islands. Germany took over a few like islands off the south of of the British uh, yes. main island, and it was that movie we saw that was the 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 book club slash potato peel pie. I'll look up. Yeah, uh, listeners, the Canary Islands, maybe the name of the 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 movie is the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. But yeah, but it was islands that we were like, ooh, maybe we want to take a trip there. Because it's like very secluded, secluded and, yeah. but this, but it felt very reminiscent of where this is supposed to take place. Yeah, like kind of how they set it up that it's a village, and you know that. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think this is actually on the island proper, just like near the on coast, the coast. But yeah, yeah. But we see that um, there's a group of kids uh, because of the bombing in London, and they're sent to the museum to escape. That's mm-hmm. kind of where it all starts. And we get the song, the old home guard, which I, this like endeared me immediately. I really enjoyed this song. I love the idea of this old guard that are maybe, you know, from world war one or whatever the case may be. And, and they're still like trying to to support the war effort. Again, mm-hmm. we talked about a lot of the characters kind of having that, uh, that drive and that motive throughout. And then I wrote best entrance on a motorbike. <laughs> we get to see. Yeah. I loved her entrance. I would cosplay as her with those goggles, that giant scarf and that hat. I think it's great. It's like such a great outfit. And she's so quirky, uh, but Miss Price, which is Angela Lansbury. So she comes in. Uh, we meet uh, the three kids, Carrie, Charles, and Paul. Charles is also Charlie, I think, to the siblings, but Price, I think, calls him Charles. So they go back and forth with Charles and Charlie for him. I forgot to bring this up with the 45th anniversary, which this is, you know, 2021 was the 50th anniversary. Mm. Um, but in the 45th anniversary, the kids got together and did a screening, like had a big screen. Oh, Disney that's brought fun. together. And Angela oh, Lansbury cool. couldn't be there, but she recorded like a message. And she is funny because it starts off and it feels like she's talking directly to the three of them Mm -hmm. and it was just really nice i thought it was really cool to see them all together uh she's there to pick up something she's gotten in the mail but that's when the person who's in charge of telling the children where to go says we've got something like kind of is like you're gonna get these people the ministry of what is of of something did you write it's the civil defense civil defense ministry says you have to take yeah basically they're the only three left that they can't find a home for and when the woman goes out to go talk to miss price she tells the kids stay here don't touch anything and when they come back to introduce her to the kids I love this. This, this it's so funny. Like yeah. it's such, they, they come in. They're in a museum. Oh, I'm, they're we, wearing. I think I mentioned that. Yes, but. they're wearing armor. They have like yeah. medieval weapons. One of them is on like horse armor, and they're like, ah, they're attacking it. Like 
you get causing a real irreparable sen- damage to 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 this to these museum items. You get a real sense of who these kids are as like siblings and and how they interact with one another. And if you don't know if they're supposed to be like London street kids, they have what I would consider a step up from Dick Van Dyke's Cockney accent. However, they're all like. Core blimey, governor! I never seen a, a woman on a broom before. Like they're the most like yeah. Eliza Doolittle at the beginning of My Fair Lady. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but she's Miss Price is so focused on this package that she's to pick up. She doesn't really want to have anything to do with the kids. And I also love that they pile all the kids. She's on this motorbike with the sidecar, and all three kids like mm-hmm. get into the sidecar. And she lives alone in this giant house. And then we see her cat. And Ryan said, that is a raggedy <laughs> cat. <laughs> I cat thought you wrote that so down. sickly. That I cat is so mangy and mad at and not so get over wild. This cat. I go, before every shot, they threw it in a dryer like, for like so a minute. And it was like, all right, wild. go. And the name, they asked the name of the cat. And it's Cosmic Creepus. And she said that's the name he came with. She doesn't believe in giving animals names. And I was like, I love this character. I could, like, I could watch Miss Price all day. She is so weird. Well, and I love her. Because she was like, I don't have, I don't get along well with kids. Yeah. But she wasn't mean. It wasn't about a mean woman. It was about She's a woman who bothered. was just like, I don't understand. Chil-. Like, just like yeah. she doesn't deal with children regularly. She's kind to them like she was fine with them i wasn't ever like these kids are in danger or these kids are going to be miserable it was just like i don't know she's just like and, and then then she they do the thing where they're trying to discuss how they're going to get away and she's like i have excellent hearing if you're going to discuss your escape plans please do it elsewhere so i don't have to listen to it yeah like yeah. i just like that she's like i don't care if you escape i just don't you, like I don't want you here anymore than you don't want to be here. Yeah. It's nothing personal. It's just you've interrupted my life. Like yeah. it's just very I think I think it's something you could dig into into a series about like really it creates a character who's like you know, we live in an age where there's a lot of people. It's not just you love kids or you hate kids and people who don't have kids hate kids. It's like you can be a someone who like doesn't understand kids and is an adult but like that doesn't make you necessarily an old crotchety person or anything yeah yeah well and they gather for dinner and then we find out that she doesn't serve any fried food and it's all very healthy and like kind of natural foods but then because i don't think i really i don't think i had the full realization that she was going to be a witch because like I didn't really know anything about it, right? You didn't so, know that was a broom in that package? No, oh, I, I, no I don't know why. I was like, oh, that's a broom package. in there. Uh, so spoiler: there's a broom in the package. Uh, but <laughs> but um, the whole movie. she lists off all these ingredients, and they're they're things that I think you'd put into spells. But like I wasn't really thinking that. I was like, oh, she's just kind of like this crunchy like woman who like wants to eat healthy. I like <laughs> didn't really put it together yet because we don't know any of that yet. Uh, but they're so excited that she's so excited that they're sleeping. And that's when she goes. Now she can do what she wants to do. I love yes. the whole yeah. like, yeah. I just don't have kids like and I'm not used to this. And it's like, yeah. good, they're asleep. Now I can do everything I normally don't have to worry about. Yes. Yeah, so well, she, and if, oh, if go you ahead. have, if for any listeners out there that do have kids, you know that experience too, where you're like, even if you're happy to be spending time with your kids, like, okay, they're finally asleep. Now I can 
now I can do the thing I want to do or watch the thing I want to watch or yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> like, take go to care, bed, don't get up anymore. Or take care of the thing that I was trying to take care of four hours ago and then, yeah. Yes. Uh, and I would imagine, too, three uh, children is, of course, then that's three people you have to try to get to sleep, <laughs> not Oof. just one. Oof. So... So, yes, she's very excited. She opens this package. She, like, goes to a different room, locks the door, and the cat comes in with her. And we find out that she is attending the College of Witchcraft, and she's now an apprentice witch. And she is so excited because she has her first broom. Yeah. And they do a whole bit about you're supposed to sit on it side saddled because you're a lady. Yeah. Which I think is so funny. I also think it's kind of fun that she goes, this is, it doesn't work. And good on Angela Lansbury or the stunt person who does all the physical comedy of the broom trying to take off Mm -hmm. and she's jumping around. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But she opens the window to try to practice and she has trouble again, you know, so she's going back and forth and then she flies out the window And this is when the kids are trying to run away. They're trying to go back to London and they see her on the broom. And she's like so excited. She's up in the air. She's flying around and she lets go with both hands. And then she tumbles to the ground. Like it feels like a learning a bicycle scene or like even driving a car. It's always like you're supposed to have your hands on the wheel or whatever. Like she and that's in the instructions. She's like one of the first things is like put your like make sure you're always holding the broom so that comes back at her uh and the broom broke so she's you know she's upset the broom broke and the kids i wrote here crafty kids with blackmail it's really charles who the oldest who's like really trying to twist this and he's like well now we know she's a witch so how can we use this as an advantage (laughs) like how can we get something out of this yeah, Charlie's always got a scheme going on yes. trying to get something. Yeah. So he goes, lovely flying weather, isn't it? Or wasn't it last lovely night? Lovely night for a flight. Yeah. yeah. For flying, huh? <laughs> and uh, he games up Ms. Price. And so here are the things that he wants. An occasional sausage at dinner. Strawberry jam. He doesn't want to wash morning and night. She's very specific about how they need to wash up. And he wants lolly, which Ryan had to explain to me as cash because I didn't. Well, I he not he known says that he goes term. cash, yeah. color cash. Oh. And I think he, they do a couple of things that feel like Cockney rhyming slang, which is like you say a word that rhymes. With, it's like it's hard to explain. I'll, I'll like it's not worth doing it here, but it's like <laughs> like we're going to be. I remember the one from Ocean's Eleven. He goes, we're going to be in Bonnie. And they look at me he's like Bonnie Rubble. Trouble, like that's yeah. how it works. Got it's it. like yeah. it's a weird, like three points away. Yeah, and you don't say all of the yeah. But I would say he doesn't ask for anything unreasonable. I think it's a no. pretty, all pretty good ask. I don't want to wash. I'd like a sausage every once in a while, maybe yeah. some strawberry jam. But when he asks for cash, that's when she's like, the, her his sister's like she's gonna turn you into a toad. Well, Miss Price says, "Are you not afraid of what I'll do?" Yeah. yeah so yeah. I like yeah. that she's like, "Well, hold on a minute," and now she's kind of flipping the script. And then she turns him into a rabbit and then the cat chases him. Uh, But we find out that the rabbit spell only lasts. She can't get it to last longer than a couple seconds or a couple minutes. And that bit is played throughout the whole movie. Anytime someone's turned into a rabbit, you know, it doesn't last for very long. I also like that later Charlie is afraid of cosmic creepus because like. He, he remembers being yeah. a rabbit or whatever. Yeah, he never gets over that. Like he's really mad at the cat, and then yeah, later cat cat startles him, and he can't get over how scary he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, she talks about how 
the work is important to the war effort. You know, the most secret, like this, this last lesson, like she needs this lesson to help with the war. And so Charlie wants something valuable. So now that's like the next thing is you give us something to seal this pact. Uh, and she gives him the traveling spell and Charlie doesn't believe he doesn't believe it's going to work. He doesn't really get all of this stuff. And, uh, she says, go get, doesn't she send one of them to go get she the needs, knob from she, the bed? She needs something that can turn like a yeah. ring and they goes, well, I've, I, oh, no, that's he pulls right. everything out it's, of his pocket. It's Paul. Yeah. It's the lovely bit of string. Yes. Yeah. He pulls out the string. <laughs> The broken glass, and he has the knob in his pocket, and that's when I was like, "Where is he holding all of this stuff?" I uh, I think it's funny. One thing we need to bring up: she can't remember her spells. She has to write them all down, and there's all these pages everywhere. Yeah, like she's very disorganized, and I think that kind of plays into stuff later. Yeah, so she talks about this traveling spell, and she says, "You know, if you put it, the knob back on the bedpost, uh, tap it three times, and turn it a quarter turn." Uh, to the left the bed will take you wherever you want to go and it belongs to paul so paul's the only one can work it so that's kind of the catch is you know it's not charlie's or anybody else's and so she gets uh this letter about the college of witchcraft being closed because of the war so now she's in this panic because she didn't get the last lesson with the last spell that's going to help the war effort So she has to go to London to see the professor for the spell to end the war. Mm -hmm. And she's asking Paul, will you do this for me? Will you use the traveling spell? And so the kids are coming with her, but Charlie doesn't want to go because he doesn't believe. And this is where we get the song, The Age of Not Believing. And this was the song that was nominated for best song. I thought this was a pretty good song, but like. It's literally a song she sings to him while she's making the bed. I'm like, things could be moving. Like, we need to keep going with this. But it's like, help me make the bed, Charlene, or whatever. What is his sister's name? Carrie. Carrie. Help me make the bed, Carrie. And they're just making the bed while she's singing this song. I'm like... What a useless action while this is happening. <laughs> yeah, they're getting the bed, bed ready for travel, basically. Uh, so this is where Charlie is scared of the cat. He doesn't want to go. He's in the corner, but the cat spooks him, and he jumps on the bed at the last minute. So they're flying in the air. It's a multicolor kind of sequence. It ha- gave Willy Wonka vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It, yeah, and so it kind of has that feel to it. And I have in my notes, they just leave the bed in the middle of the street? Yeah. Like, like the bed it just like where it shows up it's just a kind of a comical thing because it's big it's not easy to move well it's like the tardis it's like I, yeah I it guess doesn't always good. fit where it lands and uh-huh. people just probably walk by and go oh there's a bed here and like keep walking yeah off. yeah so uh this is where we get to meet professor is it Amelius? Amelius. now Amelius. do we remember miss price's first name eglantine Oh, yeah, Eglantine. Eglantine. Which yeah. he says it a couple times, and I'm like, what is this word he's using? It took me a while to realize, oh, that's her name. Like, yeah. boy, <laughs> you go from that's Mary Poppins saying. to Eglantine Price. She's it's got like, a fascinating backstory yes. that I want to know more about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have here fraud underlined two question marks because we see that he is not, in fact, a professor of this very world-renowned school he's doing magic on the street <laughs> so, doing it poorly yes like he can't, I, <laughs> can't pull off any of his spells I yeah love he's a swindler bit. i love it's so this good bit so much it was such a good yeah. character such a good idea now i kept trying to be ahead of it be like 
So is he just sending her nonsense? And this we learned this. It's like Dumbo. It's like you didn't need the feather this whole time. And then it was like you know eventually we find out like it was from a real magic book, and he was just right. like and he switched some words yeah. around, which is probably why the rabbit spell only works yeah. for a few minutes it's or whatever. So yeah. good, and he. The fact that he's a con man and a fraud, like, it's not just, and then he's, like, he's so, you know, it's the actor, the same actor as Mr. Banks, but he, it, he is, looks like he's having so much more fun playing this character. It's a nice contrast, because yeah. you see, you know him as Mr. Banks, and that's a very different character, and it's really fun to see him in this role. I li- I really enjoyed him in this role a lot. I like how he's just ceaselessly, like, selfish either trying to sell things to a kid that don't work or yes. trying to hit on miss price or well, he, <laughs> he, like, he, if it's so fast and the conversation is like oh yeah i had to close the school sadly sorry so what are you doing now i will yeah, say no he refunds very, and no spell sorry about that yeah he very quickly after like they leave london he's pretty much you know on the team mm-hmm. yeah for like, the most part yeah he, he uses his con for good he, he like when they're in Portobello Road, like he makes a comment, where he's like, "I can sell anything." And when they walk by that piano, he's like, "You can't sell it like that." He starts playing like a better version of it. Mm-hmm. Like that just feels like that. He's such a character who's like, "Oh, I know a few songs." I, you know, I he knows how to like get people to like him. He's and very he's charismatic. Not, he, I, I, the like draws the, people in. Yeah, the stuff at the beginning feels like I'm trying to make my way in hard times, and not I'm trying to find marks and rubes to blah blah blah. Because he's not. I don't know. I think he was a con man before things. I got think rough. I think he is too. He's definitely selling crud like to snake people. Oil. Snake oil, but like he's different than Doctor Terminus in Pete's Dragon, who you immediately go, oh, I hate this oh, guy. He's trying yeah. to take advantage oh, yeah, of people, sure. and I think they do a better job of him going like, it's the war. Everybody's trying to survive. Like yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. charming environment. That's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you don't fe- you you kind of laugh that he's staying in someone's home that's out not. Oh my god! Like it just feels like he's like, oh, I don't go in this room and I don't touch stuff. Like he's there to like live in luxury and have food, but it's not like, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel bad for those people. It's an opportunity that he's just like, well, I'm taking advantage of this. He's punching up, I guess, in a lot of ways. He just seems yeah. like he's a good guy. This it's it's be different. It's it's interesting to look at him and Doctor Terminus because Doctor Terminus looks like he's going to towns and he's going. You're an idiot. I'm going to take advantage of that. And and yeah, and, and you don't see that as much with that's true. Doctor Terminus seems like he hates all those people that yes. are dripping off. And Elise Brown just like wants to have friends and get by. And yes, he doesn't mind. He doesn't mind. You know, kind of running a hustle, but. It's not his, he's not doing it because he's spiteful. He's yeah, spiteful. yeah, that's true. And it seems like he knows the people on Portobello Road. Like he's, yeah, like he's has relationships in some way in this area. And and we'll get to this in a sec, but when he's trying to sell Miss Price on like, you should be my assistant in a magic show, like it feels a little bit like he's not taking advantage of her. He's like, we should partner up. Like, yeah, yeah, but his little vision of her is a little... Okay, we can talk about the, the outfit he's putting <laughs> her in, which I was like, oh, I was God. like, okay. But yeah, but yeah, I see what you're saying yeah. there for sure. Uh, so he's shocked that the spell works because she... she Turns him into a turns rabbit. Turns him into a rabbit. Well, first she sticks the kids on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, really funny. They're just the like grabbing him. He's like, ah! <laughs> turns him into a rabbit, and he's like, it's just nonsense out of this book. And she's like, well, now I need to see the book. Where's the book? And so he's, you know, kind of... Squatting. Yeah, and they travel to the townhouse. He calls it a townhouse by the bed. Travel by bed. Uh, and this is where we walk past the unexploded bomb in the yard. And 
which I had no idea what that was for many, many years. So yeah. Like, that makes oh, sense. there's, yeah, they put, they put something in the lawn that, that lets him have permission to live here. That's weird. I have to look for one of those so I can go squat in somebody's house. Yeah. 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 I, I just like how they dealt with it, which they just put a rope around. It was like unexploded. <laughs> like, don't touch like, it. Yeah. Uh, but he, he says, I'm a little bit of a coward, but I can live like a king because the home has been vacated. So that's kind of his explanation. He says that he's not really a coward in this movie. I will say that. Like he steps up, but then the boom, boo and offers to go in there. He's, yeah, he leaves the train station, but that's not really because he's scared, like flees to the train station. That's we're gonna get into that later. Yeah, yeah, about that's like personal with the stuff. With the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. So yeah, yeah, I don't really see him as a coward either. But uh, this is where he tries to sell her on being the assistant that we were just talking about, and here's the song with a flare. And uh, she is searching for the book while this song's going on. And they go back and forth to the kids. The kids are in the nursery. I don't think I wrote anything down about the kids because there's nothing specific. They're just exploring. And this is where they find the Naboomboo book. The Naboomboo book. But at that point, I didn't know it was a plot point, right? Because I'd never seen the movie. So I was just like, oh, they're in the nursery looking at toys and books and things like that. And so she turns them back into a rabbit. She finds the ratty old book. And this is where we first hear she wants the spell for substitutiary locomotion. But the spell pages are missing and he doesn't know where they are. And so he says, you know, I bought it at this market. I got half the book. This other guy got the other half because they pulled it apart. Mm -hmm. And so this is where we get Portobello Road. We've talked a lot about Portobello Road. Now we're going to really dive into it here uh, for any opinions you have on Portobello Road. I like the beginning of it. I like... It's too long. Yeah, I like, you know, it's quirky. You're seeing all these different vendors. It's this street market. I think there's a lot of fun stuff happening. when he, Like mm-hmm. you said, when he plays the piano, there's a lot of interesting things. She's obsessed looking at the books. We see kind of a shady character giving her an eye, but we don't really know who he is. But, you know, he hears she wants this book. So I you thought know. it was Vincent Price for like a half a second. It looks like Vincent Price's like cousin or yeah. the, and the, second the, he the talks. quality Walmart brand of Vincent Price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Costco Vincent Price. <laughs> so, so you're kind of watching out for him. And then it goes into this dance break, which like was so weird and not needed and just like made it so long and you said something about it being 10 minutes long it felt like it was like a 25 minute dance well it's like like it two minutes in in the original in the first cut oh okay and so it's up past 10 minutes but it's but there are soldiers from india who come out first and i wrote this is probably a culturally insensitive dance (laughs) Uh, well, like, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I, I don't know. There's there's probably some cultural insensitivity. I don't know. We didn't, uh, we didn't dive if I had into to put, it. If I had but... to put money on a bet, like, is this culturally insensitive or not? Like, I'm not smart enough to know, like, is that an actual dance they did? Like, it yeah, did feel, it was insensitive is that it was like, the way we get diversity in our movie is we have them come in and do, like, essentially the sugar plum fairy type each country has its own dance thing. And then right? that's the only time we see it. any and of again, those characters. It's a yeah. march of all the like places the British Empire has overtaken and colonized. Yeah, because there's Scottish soldiers in kilts. Uh, Caribbean. Yes, with steel yeah. drums. So yeah, it just to me fell out of place. Like I don't I, I understand yeah. they wanted to show soldiers, I guess, because of what's going on, but 
it just didn't really feel like it fit. There's a a a interview I've seen pop up recently of Harvey Firestein talking about some of his roles as gay people in stuff and he was like all, he's like look at the time I know some of my characters are Mrs. Big, Doubtfire? I think yeah actor? Mrs. Doubtfire like David uh, why yes, did I send my yeah, mother to yeah. Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Like, well that's Independence, Independence Day. Day like all that stuff. But like he was like I take these roles because at least we're seeing gay people on screen. And I think yeah. we've moved past that now. It's like we want authentic representation and things like that. But like, I I don't know. They got like, it looked like the Caribbean dance sequence was like, the people there looked like they were having a good time. Like, so I'm sure they were like, I'm yeah. glad I got a job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, there's but more it's unacceptable to it. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. more well, I wonder to if it. In 71, too, like, there's starting to be more awareness of that kind of stuff. Yeah, like absolutely. Like you said, it's pretty clumsy and. So I wonder if this was like, hey, we need to acknowledge these other cultures and that are try. part of the was, British heritage yeah. and have them all parade through and dance. Yeah, and, like, and it, was, yeah. it was step one. To me, it but, was yeah. more about just yeah. To me, it was more just the sequence in general. I was like, that would have been a really easy just cut, like just yeah. cut that part out. Ta- yeah. What Tara's saying is any representation needs to be cut out. Of no, this movie. that is not what I'm saying <laughs> at all. Uh, it's more just didn't fit for me. Yes. But uh, meanwhile, while all this is going on. Miss Price is looking through books and she gets pulled in to dance. And that's that is like, you know, the, her and uh, Professor Brown are kind of dancing with well, he's dancing with other people and then he pulls her in. And now the market's closing. So everyone starts wheeling away, picking up and their we carts. Get, we get the slow version of Portobello Road, yes, we get which a I go, oh, this is Chim Chim Cherie. Like, there's yeah. a lot of mapping songs on this exactly to Mary Poppins songs. Yeah, that, yeah you can you can see the, the similarities. And then we get the creepy con artist with a knife. The knife was a little <laughs> jarring. Uh, and he's threatening them. He demands that you go to the bookman or bookman. Man. Bookman? The, the Bookman. That's the his bookman. the character's yeah. name. I looked it up. And so it you know, it seems like Professor Brown might know where they're going, but obviously the rest of the kids and uh Miss Price does not. And now they want the book back together. So that's the whole thing. He's he's the guy who has the other half of the book. Uh they're both after the same spell and they want to swap their halves of the book. And they realize that neither half has the five words of the spell. That's what's still missing is those five words. And he tells this story about a sorcerer who I guess wrote the book, uh, had animals in cages for experiments, but then the animals took over and killed him and fled on a boat. Basically the island of Dr. Moreau. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And now, yeah, now the island is ruled by animals and Mm -hmm. this is the island of Nabubu. Nambumbu. I'll let you guys say it. And I, I liked when they're reading, they get the two books and they like finish each other's sentence and both expect like the sentence to say the words. And it's just like, these words are written down somewhere else. <laughs> yes, you can't yeah, find yeah, them. Yeah, that <laughs> is fun. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be the search for like the missing page or something. I was like, oh. Yeah. So they jump on their, their 
Um, so not before the kids get threatened with a knife. So then the kids get threatened <laughs> oh, with a yeah. knife. The bookman threatens yes. them. He also has a knife. And this is when they decide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is a little bit of the, yes. that's not a knife. This is a knife yeah. for like Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> so it, just, it gets dark for a moment there. And yeah. we're not with those characters very long. So, you know, it's fine. But I, I, I was surprised. Makes you, it makes you wonder, like, Portobello Road might be a little bit of a rough place to bring kids with all these, like, yeah. off-duty service people and, like, bookmen with knives and the the girls that danced up to, uh, yeah, to like, name at the very beginning. And he's like, thank you, goodbye. Like, yeah. Were they soliciting us? Yeah. Like, yeah. What's the story there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a fun thing to include in this dance uh-huh. number. Um, question. So- to start off with is are we going to rank the bookman as a villain so at first i said yes while we were watching it because they threatened him with a knife like so i was uh, but they're not i thought they would come back so the fact that we don't see them anywhere we can talk about it again at the end okay um i don't know how you two feel i've got three options for villains here so we're good we can talk about it at the end there's Uh, one that we should definitely yes yeah that is the Third Reich. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they decide that they need to go to this island. And again, they travel with the bed. And now we get the animated sequence in the water. And I loved this whole sequence. Mm-hmm. I love that they land in this lagoon. Uh, they run into a gentleman, uh, Mr. Mr. Cod. Codfish. And mm-hmm. he warns that there's trouble up on land. And then we get the song. The Down beautiful- here, things are better. No, it's just <laughs> <laughs> the human world. It's a mess. No, it's basically the same thing. He's like, don't go on land. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we get the beautiful briny and we enter the briny ballroom with the dancing fish. And I loved all these dancing fish. But my favorite I, can was I guess? the barbershop okay, yeah. quartet <laughs> of fish that were like gargling. But like, <laughs> I'm so fascinated about who did their voices and how they got their voice to sound like that. Where oh, they I'm sure they they actually water. gargled yeah yeah like because it, it's not quite a gargle it is but it isn't it's yeah. such an, a fun it sound the same thing they did with like pinocchio and all those where they had somebody speak through like a microphone with all the water and the bubbles yes, flowing yeah yeah you Maybe. know i wonder if it was that but yeah it sounds so funny because they're yeah yeah but they really i got a good laugh out of them anytime that they were on but miss price and professor brown they sing and they dance in this one and then uh Fish hook comes down. There's like a whole dance contest with the fish. Yes. That's kind of what happens. And they do some stunts on wire work, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Now, there's a couple times where this score gets, I think, too traumatic for what's happening. And the fish hook is one of them where it's like, I, now I granted. The too imp- ominous, maybe. It's, maybe it, I don't know if ominous is the right word, but it's yeah. It's over the top, like, duh, no, no. And I'm like, geez, <laughs> Louise, like, this is a lot. <laughs> uh, and that kind of happens with the fish hook. But the fish hook gets the bed. Yeah. And then, yeah, the music changes is an intense, is what I have in my notes. And then the bed's hooked. And then this is where we get the bear in the sailor suit, who's kind of like Baloo and Little John. It has a very similar yeah. vibe. Mm-hmm. And he is the one who was fishing and picks them up and he says that there's no peopling here there's yeah. a sign that says no peopling no but peopling allowed yes <laughs> but anyone can see the king uh that's the law so well the other thing is this we get a lot of really good con artistry here from mr brown where he goes yeah. ah a fellow a fellow 
semen. Like, hello. Like, <laughs> yes. it's so good. Yes. Like, the time he, I've shipped out of port, like, what? Yeah, yeah. He, he has a story he every room, time. Basically. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. he's like, he, re- he, he reads people and just immediately goes into it. Uh, the, the bear has one of my favorite little bits, which is so dumb, and it makes me laugh every time is when he's trying to say something, he gets stuck, and then someone rings a bell. <laughs> and then he finds, like, you gotta, duh, 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 ding, throw you back in. Like, did you notice that on the, <laughs> the audio? Whenever he's did. talking, oh, man, he, he gets hung up. It's worth, the, like, the two seconds. But he, to go back. he stutters and <laughs> yeah. stutters, and then, and then you hear a bell ring, and then he finally gets the word out. And it's a... Uh, it's like a reverse Pavlov thing. It's really That's funny. great. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, we find out the king's in a mood. And I like the king's... Uh, what is that? The bird... What would he be? He's like Zazu. Same voice. His, his like major domo or whatever. Same, yeah. Same voice actor did both those voices. Uh, but I like that character. But we find out that the king is a great soccer player. Uh, but the Royal Cup match can't take place. And so Brown goes in to see what's going on. So he's I like, I'll take care of this. I am so sorry. L- Lenny Weinrib did King Leonidas and did the uh, voice on Big Thunder Mountain, not Dallas McKinnon, who did the Fisherman oh. Bear. Oh. I, I apologize. I please. Someone ex- was please. screaming when yeah, you said that I'm earlier. I'm so sorry. They've been <laughs> screaming, screaming this whole at time. Their, uh, at their radio or whatever in their car. Uh, but yeah, so he volunteered. radio. I don't know. Well, you still news from to around it. the name. I guess like you still, it's still coming out of your radio, your stereo. I guess fair enough. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so Brown goes in and he volunteers to be the ref for this game, and he finds out that that's the issue. There's no ref, and the king comes out, and now they're ready to play. And now there is this whole soccer sequence. Uh, but they notice that the king is wearing the star of Astaroth. Yeah, that's the, the name of the book. That's the too. name of the sorcerer. Sorcerer. And which, uh, as you'll know from D and D, sorcerers actually have innate magical knowledge. They don't need a book. So this is I, kind of a wizards are the ones who have the. Nope, the not grim- playing oh, that okay. character. All right, all right. Uh, so. The uh, we see animals from Robin Hood, you know, the rhino and there's a lot of other ones that are either reminiscent or ones that feel like they're from Robin Hood and the game starts and uh, we get this fun sequence. But again, I think this sequence could have been trimmed, but I do like seeing all of the animals and how they interact with the ball and interact with each other. Like there's a lot of fun playfulness here. I just feel like it went on a little long. I think it would have been. Less noticeable if we hadn't had like the extra song, like the, the beginning Portobello, and the Portobello yeah, Road. Yeah, like that's it was true. Like, like we were like, all right, come on. But like I, I, I wouldn't cut this because it's the, like this is the thing I would the go animation. watch on. That's its own. a good yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it is fun. Yeah. Uh, my this favorite, is my oh, kids' favorite part. So I would because they would call it that movie with the animals playing soccer. Oh, yeah. that's and great. That was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And uh, this was definitely the scene where they cut stuff from and put it into like DTV segments on yes. Disney mm. Channel and stuff like that. I want to know what your favorite animals were. Mine were the vultures as medics. Oh that made God. me laugh so much that, that they were medics. really made me laugh. It was really good. How <laughs> absolutely happy 
They looked every time he got yes, hurt. Yes, every time and he then got hurt. Completely dejected when it turned out he was okay, and they'd walk back. Oh, like, such a good bit. I don't know if so there's funny. any other animals that you guys liked, but the vultures were my favorite. I liked the cheetah who had to keep his pants up when he mm, ran. Yes. That yeah. really made. And then it fell out. Then he was like, <gasps> like, because I always think it's funny. You know, the whole bit in Zootopia where they have the nudist colony. Really, that, that <laughs> the animals wearing clothes and then mm-hmm. being nude always makes me laugh. Yeah, it was it. Was it the ostrich that was like just juggling the ball or whatever, like just bouncing it and happy and yes, everyone was charging yeah. him? Yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah, with no. yeah, with his feet. Yeah, that was a fun, a fun bit. I like the gorilla goalie. Yeah. He didn't have much. He just looked like a real menace. Just like like <laughs> So with all the animals, with all of this going on, Mr. Brown gets trampled. Uh and so, you know, the game pauses and then they're back in the game. And then the ball gets punctured by the rhino right is that how it gets punctured? they try he goes headed in and then they That's hold up the right. rhino and yeah. it hits the and it gets horn. deflated and so they all like run trying to get the ball in they all like get into the goal and then the deflated ball kind of comes down and the king just like kind of taps it in the goal okay and then they oh, he blows it and he goes blows it in yeah and it goes yeah. in yeah yeah and so now we get uh professor brown saying oh have you heard of the gypsy switch which yes. Now that I'm thinking, that's not a great term. A However, great term either, this, the whole bit of him telling him what he's trick. going to yeah, do, and basically then doing what it he's yeah. going to do, <laughs> and uh, he helps him, you know, get get undressed and back into his robe mm-hmm. uh, from the game, and that's how he gets the star from him because the whole thing he about him it with being, the whistle, yeah, and the whole thing about him being the ref was trying to get the star during the game, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. So then it happens here, and. Once the king notices the royal star is stolen, they've already left, and uh, they get to the bed. Him. And yeah. then one of two lines that I did not care for was uh, Miss Price wants to hold the star, and Professor Brown says, "I'll keep it." Women always lose things, and I was Which, like, "No, thank you." Yeah. <laughs> literally <laughs> listeners it, that, like if like yeah she just was like i was like uh-uh uh-uh no like like <laughs> yeah. verbally said that not and then not i'm not talking body language i'm not thinking she literally went what uh-uh no and then who doesn't have it later on i know it was a magical <laughs> item okay. and they were transferring worlds but still you know that old <laughs> chestnut yeah. um, uh so the king runs towards him uh, the door, the doorknob, the bed knob gets stuck. <laughs> Paul does. He, he goes, here it is. Like he has no sense of urgency. Yeah, it's so funny. he's just like he's <laughs> in a very different uh, storyline, I guess. Yeah. He was so proud on. to be like, I found it. And they're like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So they travel. Yeah. They travel back to Price's home. Well, first they turn the king into a rabbit, but he's yeah. got a big giant tiger tail. Because he looks mm-hmm. like the rabbits from Robin Hood, mm. but the 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 fact that he still has a tiger tail and it's the same size was really funny. I thought it, yeah. he was like dragging yeah. behind him, but it was yeah. And, he, and then like the the king's crown is around him like a hula hoop. I don't know. It was a cool visual. <laughs> yeah, but. it was fun. Uh, so they go back to her home and she starts talking about substitutionary locomotion. locomotion, and it's when inanimate objects come to life. So she wants to use brown shoes to try it out. And so this is where they go to get the star and they realize the star okay. is gone. And this is a part that could have been cut out because they go to get the star. It disappears. And she's like, I knew things from one world cannot be brought into another. I'm like, you brought a bed like yeah. into their world. What are you talking about? Like, And also, like, 
I knew this. It's like, okay, you should have told us. I don't remember anything that happens until they go back to this. And it's such a waste of time because it is. Well, Paul just keeps saying, I know the words. And no one is either listening to Paul or they're just ignoring him. Mm -hmm. They're tuning him out. It's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, And I was thinking, oh, maybe Paul memorized, like, memorized them. I didn't think it was in the book. Uh, Paul tried to say that in the bookman's office, too. Yes. He's like, I do. They're right here me. And then. Charlie covers up his mouth. He's like, he's not saying nothing. He just mumbles or whatever. Yes, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, and also, Paul. yeah, I know. Paul's been trying to tell people. <laughs> he uh, was he was doing what you wanted to do. He's like, this movie should be shorter. If you just listen to me, <laughs> yeah, if you just listen to me we could get there faster. Uh, but then they start talking about the possible invasion coming. And, you know, this then we find out that the words have been in the book that Paul has this whole time. And then we get the song Substitutiary Locomotion and the shoes start moving and dancing. I thought it was a fun sequence to see these shoes like moving around. All the stuff with the animated things is is definitely where you they definitely get the best visual effects. Yeah, with her nightgown. They do a good job. Some of it I'm like, is there someone in this suit? Like, And they do it later. But like, then I'm like, well, they didn't really have CGI. And you remember when we watched The Invisible Man, and it's like you, could, you can't see anything past where The Invisible Man would be. Yeah. So things are cut off weird. Mm-hmm. And that's what it would have looked like. No, this is stuff they've starched out, and they're like puppeteering it or stuff. But the fight that when it's, yes. it's Charlie fighting the pants... Yeah, and Mr. Brown, and Mr. Brown, f- fighting the big gloves really made. Yeah, he's uh-huh. getting punched. This all the clothes look like they have real volume. Like it really yeah. was. It was so cool. And there's it very and, cool. And, and yeah. it's not someone in it. Like now you just put someone in it and, and have them wear that like green lycra yeah. suit. Mm-hmm. And then Roddy McDowell shows up for no reason and gets like his hat flies in. And then like again like. That man is third build in this movie. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything gets out of hand at this point. Like everything goes awry. Feels uh, like, uh, I said this at the time, Sword in the Stone, where they get the kitchen to clean itself so they can go do something. Yeah. They- yeah. And so um, the priest flees uh, because he, the nightgown attacks him. Yeah. Which is funny. <laughs> and she comes out and gets just like, I beg your. Like he was out there playing <laughs> with her nightgown. Yes. She's well, because. Like, one of the things that runs around is her her panty. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> which was so which funny. is another good one. Uh, but she's she's bummed out because she hasn't mastered the spell. Right, it's gone awry. It didn't really go as planned. And then this is where uh, Mr. Brown juggles apples, and I was like, he's really juggling apples. Like that actor can juggle. And Ryan made it out like it was not a big deal to juggle apples. And then I was like, well, can you juggle apples? <laughs> <laughs> we had this whole like side conversation because I was like, I was like, that's really cool that he can juggle. Listeners, I know this is our final episode of the Disney <laughs> section. We've been doing this for over three years now. <laughs> Do you enjoy the stories of what happens like while we're watching the movie when Tara comes in and calls me out in front of people is this do you want more of this let us know hit us up well it's too late i mean because we've s- already done the whole catalog yeah. of disney movies this way well we're still gonna be doing more stuff but yeah. yeah yeah yeah. but i just think it's like to me i'm like yeah, I, i'm like this is charming <laughs> like <laughs> as, as charming as we think it is but anyway 
My vote's yes. I love hearing <laughs> it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Any, anytime we could put Ryan in his place, we're happy. Yeah. Is apparently <laughs> what, what I'm hearing right yes. now. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, that's easy. And you're like, you do it. And I'm like, I was like, can you right, juggle? Oh, well, well. But uh, he drops Apple into the gravy. It gets on his face. Everyone laughs. And then the lady from the museum shows up and she says, good news. The children can stay with like a farmer or somebody can stay with somebody else in the village. And she leaves, and now Mrs. Price is visibly upset. And this, I this. have a little bit of an issue with this next part of the story because the kids automatically kind of refer to Professor Brown as their dad, but they never refer to Miss Price as their mom. And I feel like she's been more caring to them than at this point than Brown has. And it's just weird to me that, like, none of what she's done is getting, like, recognition because she's a woman. Mm -hmm. But, like, he's getting this recognition like he should be their dad. And then Ryan and I were like, are the kids orphans? We thought that maybe they had a family, but they were just being sent away because of the bombing. But now it feels like maybe they're orphans. And... Then he panic leaves. Brown panic leaves because it's like too much responsibility. And I'm like, yeah. they're living. I was kind of shouting at the TV here because I was like, they're living in her home. Like, he's a vagrant. Like, why is he the one that becomes responsible yeah. for these kids? And I know the, the woman from the museum doesn't know any he's better. He's a vagrant. He is. He's staying in like a, he's squatting in a house. Like and now he's he staying on the couch. In income. Yeah. Like she's providing like a home and food. And even though she says she doesn't know how to take care of kids, I think she's done a pretty good job of taking care of these kids under the circumstances. And the woman from the museum is just excited that there's a man in Mrs. Price's life. And then the kids want to just call him dad and kind of just forget that Miss Price exists in this moment. I don't know. That's how I feel. I mean, <laughs> I agree with all that, but I also agree that this is a, a really good example of where this type of story creation, where it's just a bunch of people going through things, it, it falls flat because this movie works as a bunch of really good sequences, but like the glue that ties me, because they have to get uh, Brown away from the family and somewhere where he can discover the Germans and then come save them. Yeah. But like, how do they get there? Like, because right now they're such a tight unit. So like, they're just like, I don't know, maybe he starts falling in love and blah, blah, blah. So it's real like. Yeah. Like, well, is that where you could have a good episode on a short series of like why does mr brown have commitment issues and why is he yeah. floating around london like just trying to skim his way through things and not because he's talented enough to you know establish himself and have a job i'm sure there's mm -hmm. some kind of fun backstory of like why does he get so triggered being in a home with a family yeah you know? you yeah and then maybe getting the mrs thing. price sharing that her feelings are hurt because yeah. the kids just kind of dismissed her yeah well it could also be like <laughs> they could be like you could stay with us and then he could have like a sequence where he's like, am I the dad now? Like, and he's not. He puts it like, on him. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was weird that the kids just were like, dad. Well, it's like, 1971 yeah, values. I know, so that's probably I know, part I of it. But I also think, um, you know, the dad is really the glue that holds. The males really are, are the you, head okay, of the household. Enough. And now the next <laughs> part of the story. <laughs> but so no, I agree with you. I will say I agree with you that it's, it's less of the like, because she's a woman, I mean, I'm not seeing it probably because I'm not a woman. But to me, I am like, 
this woman no, it like feels it's like your it's house she's like a woman. it is it, probably yeah, it but I'm, I'm with you is this is she's a woman it's her house like she's fed them like you know what is going and he shows up because you'll notice he goes oh i've made my famous sausage and mash which is the kind of like unhealthy stuff they wanted the he's want the it. fun dad who's not a good dad he's just a fun dad yeah like yeah. that's what's happening now uh-huh. he's like uh-oh so the three boats of soldiers uh show up and he oh. flees. Sorry, can oh. I jump again? Do we think King Leonidas is a villain? Oh, I didn't even think about him being a villain. He's the other one I thought you had pegged besides whoever's coming up. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think about he's, that. He's he's number two. Do okay. we want to think about that? So think about that and we'll get back to the villain ranking. Okay. Uh so the soldiers come and uh Professor Brown Brown? Brown. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm getting a little loopy here, guys. I'm I haven't <laughs> slept. I've had a lot of uh caffeine and I'm trying to stay awake. Uh so I think bear you're with doing me. Wonderfully. Thank you. I think I was doing good until I feel like it's, I just it's hit a wall. It's clear who the most responsible one of this household is, regardless. Okay. Of... All right. That was a compliment. Oh, I thought you were saying it was you. No, I'm me. saying it was you. I'm oh. just saying, look, you're you're the glue that holds this place together. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for the compliment. Uh but yeah, Brown flees he panic leaves he goes to the train station there's no train till yeah. the morning and he's like oh i'll just sleep here it's like yeah, what a world just sleeping <laughs> at the train station and so then miss price sees the nazi soldiers she sees that they're coming in and they attack and they run into her house and uh they're trying to scare them they're, they're basically proving that they, they they say so colonel heller is the name <laughs> of the, the head okay. nazi and we're not going to really have to discuss it. This is at least the one villain yeah. we're going to do because, yeah. boy, I never saw us ranking a member of the Nazi party. The Nazi colonel. Yeah. 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 So he is basically like, we want to prove to England that we can invade any time we want, which is like a weird flex. <laughs> like, it's a weird, yeah. like, we just want to prove we can, like, I don't see Hitler we being like, show them we, we need can. business. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand this, but... Yes. So that's, you know, he's basically and they're using her house as like their headquarters. And she's like, I'm going to turn you into a rabbit. And it's she can't remember the words. So they, you know. It's, yeah. So it's that's that happening. And then it cuts back to the train station. And Brown is dreaming of her as his assistant again I for a moment. about this because it could oh, yeah. so easily be cut out. Yeah. It's just a quick yeah. moment. And so I was like, okay. Angela Lansbury walking up the, the railroad because he starts thinking in his head, like, why do you always leave when this kind of stuff happens? Yeah. Blah, blah. And then he sees her in the like Vegas showgirl outfit walking up the train. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, and I'm just as soon as I see that, I go. Here we go. And I hear Tara go, okay. Yes. Like, <laughs> and it's not it's so not good. that long, but yeah, it's very quick. Again, easily cut out, doesn't change anything. And he look he hears German. Yes. And he mm-hmm. looks up and he sees the Germans like cutting the telephone wires. At which point I go, How effing scary has that gotta be in nineteen forty yeah. in England? Yeah. Like you just like just the, uh, uh, wake up at a train station Nazis. Like right. Yeah. Well that your and your only way to communicate is yeah. now now you're completely cut off. Yeah, it's an isolated community. Yeah, yeah, and we see her try to use the phone before that scene. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that like they've been that is happening the throughout the village. And so he goes to see uh he, he sees that and then he gets a good punch in. 
He punches a few soldiers. Oh at yeah, the train he does. Station. Yeah, and it's like the Indiana Jones like extra big punch. Yeah, <laughs> and then he goes to see where they are, and he goes back to Mrs. Price's house. So he's like trying and, to figure out what's going on. And they've left and moved them to the museum because they were annoying them. I don't know, but he is running around hiding from these two soldiers. And he goes into a room and he's like, okay. Well, the cat startles first. Oh, God. And then he like goes yes. to grab the yes. cat's face to close yeah. it. And then like, he bites what? it and knocks off the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why does he grab the cat's mouth? Yeah. Like, <laughs> shh, shh, shh. I'm like, that's yeah. not going to help. And that's how he tries to sneak in. It's yes. like through that way with the cat. Uh, and then he tries to turn himself into a rabbit by looking in the mirror. He tries the spell. He tries to say it. Uh, I, I, and it eventually, and it works. He gets it. Yeah, but I like the whole thing of like there seems to be a little bit of like you really got to believe in yourself. Not necessarily that spells are real, but that in your ability to do magic, to do magic. Like it's the yeah. same thing with her when she first does substitutionary locomotion. She's not very good at it, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna sing along to give you like an ego boost." Yeah, which you know mm-hmm. leads to a, a song. Probably, in my opinion, the best song in the thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but then like that's this thing. He looks at me. He's like, "If you're gonna." Come on, Brown, if you're going to believe in anything, now's the time to do it. And I I like that. I think they could expand on it in the upcoming uh, pitch I'm giving to Disney+. Plus. Yes, yes. But like, I think that's something of like the reason the magic it doesn't always work is because it's like self-esteem, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But he does, and the, and the Nazis come in and a white rabbit runs away, and they're kind of like, mm. what was that? So he runs to go save them, and now they're all in the museum, uh, and they realize that he was the rabbit, and he turns back. And oh, then... wait, she sits on her lap, and they go, "Is that you, Mr. Brown?" And the rabbit winks. Oh, that's right. And I'm yeah. like, right. "How yes. did they pull? Like, did they yeah, just yeah, go? Yeah. We're they gonna film this." I'm like, "How did they do that?" And then she goes, "Could you please get off my lap?" Which I thought was very funny. And yes, like, yeah. I, I don't think it was him being lasci- lascivious or lascivious, whatever it is. But like, just kind of this movie, like, "Oh yeah, right." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then they're all around the suits of armor and she does the spell again. And then we get like this trumpet fanfare and the drums start going and the armor suits up and everything comes to life. And this is a very cool sequence. It does take a while for them to all get to the line to get up. to the battle. Like, okay, yeah, here we go. To we do the look. battle against the Germans. So it's all different eras of not even just British, but like armor. Like there's like musketeers. There's knights. There's there's the Scottish Highland bagpipes are up there playing them. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny and cool. And then you get what I think is like the best visual in this, which is her on a broom on a broom with a with a Union Jack flag like in the yeah. in the bristle yeah. part, and she's wearing a World War One doughboy helmet, and she's yeah. leading the army. And like she's, she's leading, leading the, the charge. Does she have a Does army. she have a, a sword? Is she like? I think she does have a sword. I think she does have a sword. Yeah, yeah. I think she's got a sword. It's good. Like that would be another good outfit to cosplay. And as. it's from the <laughs> yeah. book, or at least the books I saw. On the thing is that picture is like. Yeah. I, now they might have been showing, um, concept art for the movie and kind of trying to pass it off as art from the book but like mm-hmm. the picture they said it was it's so good it's yeah it's wonderful really good. and it's it made me be like go england like i was so like yeah get the nazis and yeah. it, then another very physical scene of them fighting the nazis and a the, lot of gunfire here a bit a that i could have seen four times and laughed every single time which yeah. is the nazis shoot 
machine guns into them. I will say the Nazis speak German this whole time, and I'm kind of like, I would like to know what they're saying or cut out them like having little conversations in German. Yeah. But the, so then they, they get some machine gun fire, and then like the guy like pulls his boot off and dumps all the bullets out. <laughs> like that bit was funny. His helmet too. Yeah, I think the helmet mm-hmm. comes off and the bullets get dumped out. And like the helmet comes off and there's no head there, and the Nazis are like, "What are we looking like?" <laughs> yeah. They do. It's so much different stuff where it's like they take off the top of a. Um, knight's armor and the legs are still kicking the guy and then mm-hmm. later he's he's doing the that halloween costume you've seen 900 times where he's it looks like he's sitting in it it's because his legs are fake and his leg his actual legs yes. are in the suit of armor running and yeah. he's like oh it's so funny what what are, what are some other bits that are good in there there's like, one where the guy there's a knight on horseback and they throw a grenade and it blows up and then it all the armor comes back together, but oh, like mishmash yeah. like yeah, in the wrong yeah, yeah. order. That was really like his good. Boots on the head or something, but he still charges away. I love yeah. that. It's it's really funny. And, and again, this is near the end. It's late. We're watching it. And Tara's like, "All right, let's go." And I'm like, "I could watch another five no, I, minutes I, of this I scene. Like, this thought, is yeah, this is I, the most Looney Tunes." part yeah. of this movie i thought there was a lot of cool stuff in there and i think it would be fun to go back and rewatch because i think there's a lot going on yes. that it's kind of hard to pick up on all of it at once right uh but it is fun but they do the bit that you love a lot of different multiple times in different ways the, like with the, the bullets, bullets and dumping yeah. the bullets out and yeah. everything they so, where the bullets shoot back out the helmet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one yeah, starts yeah, yeah. spitting them back. I love that. Yes. Anytime that's a bit in a cartoon or whatever where something like eats bullets and then goes like, boop, 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 like back at someone, I think that's funny. Yeah. So they're worried that she was hurt. And then the old guard come to the rescue. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, they blow up her house. Yeah. They set her off home's the charges. Destroyed. Yeah. They, they blow up her house, and that's when she kind of goes and that's flying. why. Yeah. And that's why they're worried. They think she's hurt. The old guard comes to the rescue. And they think they've <laughs> they've defended yeah, that they, against the Nazis. Yeah, that they've saved the day. And I think that's when they show the newspaper article later. It says, like, home guard, oh, like, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she says something about she's okay with not being a witch. They kind of have this conversation that, like, she did what she wanted to do. You know, she yeah. accomplished what she wanted out of this. And uh, Professor Brown enlists in the war effort. He becomes a soldier. And and that's why I think the end feels like his journey. Yeah. And in my version, the last shot wouldn't be them being like, Goodbye, Mr. Brown. Like Well, he kisses her goodbye. Oh yeah. He's like ten years older than her, and I don't know. I wasn't a huge <laughs> fan. Yeah. Um and then my last shot would be her, like the kids go inside and they're doing something and she kind of like does something where like the teapot starts stirring itself or it's to prove that like She's like, I'm okay with not being a magician, but maybe she's like figured out it innately or she remembers yeah. some stuff. I don't know. Because it it definitely feels like before I watch this movie, I would go, it's absolutely Angela Lansbury's story. But the movie they kind of presented to us was David Tomlinson's story. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's one last line that oh, I yep, yep, was yep. like, no, thank you. Charlie says, ain't going to have fun no more because Brown leaves. What about Miss Price? Yeah. She took them to like a magical world of like animals. They were swimming underwater. They like travel by bed, like all of these different things. <laughs> and Mr. Br- or Professor Brown is the one who Again, gave all the fun. I'm the telling fun you, it's dad. fun dad. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's fun dad for fun sure. That's literally the last line of the movie. No one yeah. else talks after that. Yeah, they I just was like, wave goodbye. 
I was like, does, doesn't Paul hold up? Paul holds up the knob and says, "Well, we still have this." Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he does. So yeah, this, so there is that. Not the woman who made the the bed knob. We still have the bed. <laughs> right? So we in their the in knob. their minds, the ranking is. Mr. Brown, the Professor vagrant, Brown. the vagrant who moved in, <laughs> an inanimate bed knob, and yes. then the woman who actually and takes the care of them is a far bronze in that like yeah. three yeah. set. Uh huh. Um, here it is, guys, for the last time, and in, in, in our Disney movies wow. for now, for now, uh, we have our questions. So, how was the princess? So the princess is definitely Eglantine. It's just hard to say. It feels like I'm yeah. pronouncing it wrong. I'm not. Eglantine Price. I liked her. I kind of wish, like I said, I'd like to know more of her backstory. So I, I kind of want it more of her practicing witchcraft. And like mm-hmm. that that piece was really interesting to me. But I enjoyed her in this. I, th- I think her, her character is more inspirational. Like not necessarily inspirational, but like what we actually see and what we talked about, about how the characters kind of treat her and stuff. Like I think there'd be another version of this where she's much treated much better and they give her more, but she's definitely one of those characters where like I want to know more about her. Mm-hmm. I think she's yeah. the most interesting, et cetera, et cetera. Well, she's very like solid, like she knows who she is and like she grows mm-hmm. in a relationship with the kids and stuff, but she's she never has to I don't know, necessarily get like rescued or anything. It's a, it's, it's probably one of the first ones I I think of is that transition to more of like a modern modern portrayal where like she's got her life and she's set up and she's a smart effective person she's going through her journey because she needs to and yeah she's really fun but i do like her her fun little oddities like i don't i don't only cook healthy vegetables here things like that Mm -hmm. it's not even healthy vegetables one of the things she said is like pine bark like some of it is pine bark. i truly I, think it's, it's things that she got in her welcome package with the mm. we didn't talk about the dragon's poison dragon's poison dragon liver do you have to poison the dragon or that's when she knew she couldn't be a witch is when she got that in the mail yeah. she was like oh i could never be a witch and, full time and i feel like the answer to that is uh what's his name going oh those were just chicken livers like that's nothing yeah, like yeah. like again like it's it's all a scam or whatever mm-hmm. um how is the prince and that's mr brown and despite i think despite our misgivings on how um forgiving everyone was of his behavior yeah. i thought he was great i loved every time he used his con artistry in a really fun way i love the bit with the bear where he's like ah oh, fellow seaman like i've shipped off from many a port blah 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 like that whole bit like his whole thing of like reading he like his superpower is the ability to to read the room incredibly well yeah 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 he bluffs his way through a lot and he and he he does turn around and grow and come back and you know even if he says he's a coward you see him like punch up the nazis and stuff so. yeah he does the right thing hey i anybody remember who remember a listeners a hero yeah, even if you're a coward, you can always punch a Nazi. It's totally <laughs> fun. Uh, for me, I was uh, Mary Poppins' uh, gal. And uh, if you listen to our episode, you'll know that. I'm diehard, can quote the whole movie. So for me, I knew that actor as Mr. Banks. Like, I know him as Mr. Banks. Mm-hmm. And so to see Mr. Banks play this, like, weird, quirky, like, Full of personality role. I, we talked about it earlier, but that's what I really loved is mm-hmm. seeing this actor do something so different and so playful and fun when he had to be kind of the stuffy grump uh, in Mary Poppins. It's it's really fun to see. Basically, he's 
like at the end in Mary Poppins. Yeah. He be, he, so he's basically continuing that like joyfulness. The, the scene where he's going, a spoonful of sugar. Like yes. and he's running yes. out <laughs> at the end and jumping. Like it's like if that was that character. Yeah, that what if character that's the story continued. is this is what happens. They left him because he just, quit the bank. Because he and, quit like, the he bank went to and he just he starts changed his name. He starts going around with Bert, but like he doesn't have money like Bert has. He doesn't have, have the skills theory. that Bert has. Yeah, he doesn't he's, have the so skills. Bert's like, man, you don't know how to clean a chimney get out of here yeah well we had that theory didn't someone have a theory that bert was like rich and was was just that was bob who had that theory bert was it was it was a a a, a, a eccentric rich man who like moonlit moonlighted as a a chimney chimney edwardian trust fund baby yeah Uh, but I like the idea that it is the same character and it's like after he's like basically had that mental break in the bank and then is like so joyful with the kids for let's go fly a kite. This is like he just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Um, sidekicks and henchmen like to me, the sidekicks are the kids like yeah. the kids really almost could be taken out of the story. I don't know. I mean, yes, but I do think they, I like them as a unit. I think they're kind of yeah. funny interacting with each other. I guess Carrie doesn't really have a lot to do. The girl. It's really, I mean, no. it's true. It's yeah. really Paul and Charlie that you're getting the most lines and the little yeah. comedic bits and things from. I feel well, like they give Jane... the, like kids watching like a kind of a character to latch on to. Like an audience yeah. surrogate That's whatever. true. That's yeah, that bad. they see themselves. Yeah. I feel like Jane had more of a distinct personality than Carrie. Yeah, from Mary Jane Poppins, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite musical number? I like Substitutionary Locomotion. Yeah, I think that or the Old Guard, the song at the beginning. Yeah, it's really hard to beat that. I, I the Substitutionary Locomotion is so fun because of the whole sequence. Yeah. I think yeah, and everything yeah. happening. Yeah, the old old Home Guard gets stuck in my head a lot. It's just. It's really fun one. Yeah. Well, in the rhythm of the spell in mm. substitutionary uh, locomotion when they're repeating it is fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it hold up? We've talked about a few things, you know, apparently there's smoking in it, which none of us can remember exactly when that happens. Yeah, I would say he does drink sherry. Like, I mean, it's all I would say it's extremely calm with a lot of that stuff. Even like the racial depictions are at least celebratory. You know, like it's it's yeah. they come in, they dance, they leave, and it's kind of like I don't think I think a kid's gonna be more like, Cool, what's that? Yeah and like lead to more conversation. And then there's than the else. the battle with the gunfire, but again it's done in a play I don't know. This you know, it's done in a playful way mm-hmm. because they're you know, the inanimate objects are what's being shot at, so it's like no one's really getting hurt. Yeah. But, the, the uh, num- but yeah, there's that. The number one thing I think you need to know going into this with your kids is like, are you ready to have a talk about Nazis with them? Because you're going to have to talk about history, which is, you know, something your kids should learn and will learn eventually. But, you know, that's the biggest thing I think is like if they're like, who yeah. are these guys? Well, and and I you want to be depends. like, well, I guess it depends on ages. Like, yeah. uh, Ryan, if you don't mind sharing, yeah. like, do you do your kids ask any of those questions or this just doesn't? We went this yeah. whole time with this is the first time. I was confused which Ryan you were talking oh. to, so that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I was like, kids. Oh, like what? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I know they. My kids like to ask questions, but they also know that I really like to answer them. So they, <laughs> yeah, 
they sometimes hold them or wait or you know make sure they really want to know but that's yeah. really do i funny. really want to know this answer yeah, or like right. sit for How sit long? for this answer yeah ryan just i'm not a laugh- little bit of an answer i'm yeah. laughing a little bit because i know you but also because i relate to that so much i never <laughs> thought of that where a kid's like oh i don't want to ask this adult yeah, question because yeah. they will go on but they <laughs> were funny. curious about like why were the kids having to find a home and what is that um, whole bit and yeah um they've i guess we by the AJR now, I mean, we've talked about World War II and everything related enough, but yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I think it, yeah, it depends on the ages, mm-hmm. I think, uh, when those discussions happen or how like aware you know they or how they connect or or, or kind of tune into the different themes of what's going on, obviously, up, up to you, the parent. Um, yeah, n- so now it is time, listener, we're gonna uh give you a chance to get a little review on how our uh infallible scientific villain ranking works and during that time we'll discuss when we come back exactly how many villains we'll be ranking Mm -hmm. the infallible scientific villains ranking was designed and created by top scientists working together to establish the perfect method of devising a villain's relative knavery cunning and vileness each evildoer is judged in seven categories on a scale of one to five The averages of each category are added up, and the resulting villain ranking tells us exactly where each 'er ne'er-do-well belongs. Whether it's at the top with our queen Ursula, or at the bottom with Aconcagua, the grumpy mountain of Saludos Amigos. Here are the seven categories. Number one, frightening. How scary is this villain? Number two, funny. How often did this villain make you laugh? Number three, fierce. How much attitude, sass, and sense of style does this villain have? Number four, effective. How grand was their evil plan and how well did they execute it? Number five, design. How awesome does this villain look? Number six, go away heat. How much did you honestly hate this villain and want them to be off your screen as quickly as possible? And number seven, yes factor. Whenever Tara sees a villain she loves first appear on screen, she says, Yes! How often did you find yourself missing this villain's presence when they weren't on screen? Follow along at home and let us know your own villain scores. And now back to the podcast. Listeners, <laughs> we're back. Um, I just realized it's Colonel Heller is is the Nazi and the, the only villain we'll be uh, ranking today. They sent a, someone of the high rank of Colonel to run this three- raft <laughs> like we're just proving like i want to know more about colonel heller and how they're like oh he's such a mistake why why we should send him to this fake invasion you of just England. had to get your german your german <laughs> yeah. accent in here huh yeah <laughs> he will fight the suits of armor oh. um okay <laughs> so we're doing colonel heller now i i want to talk about this a little bit because okay. In real life, if this was a real Nazi, it's obviously like nothing good. So when we say this, we are obviously not ranking our thoughts. We are ranking Colonel Heller as he was depicted in this movie. Yeah. Okay. And so if we say, oh, he's funny, which I don't know that we will, but. I don't think we will. We will. But but let's, if we were like, oh, it's goofy that he gets kicked around. Like, please do not take that. Like. Do not as take, our like, stand yes. on 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 yes we at at Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries I think I can speak for everyone when we say boo to Nazis yes this is also yes. hard to do this because this is also like Ursula's at the top because we love Ursula like so I don't want to be like a a v- villain at the top is not necessarily like how we think they reflect on history so 
bear with us. So Keep Colonel Heller, mind. a thing we thought was interesting though, ta- speaking about this, was the fact that like once they show up, you do not. There's like swastikas at the beginning in the in the tapestry opening. Yeah, I think there were swastikas, but then I don't think we see them. They're not on their. They're uniform. not on their uniforms because I looked for them. I don't think yeah. they were. I'm wondering if that's like. You know the MPAA, some sort of remember, remember. You know the Comics Code, like did a hard line where they said no Nazis, and that's why Hydra exists in the Marvel universe because they said like uh. we'll do Hydra instead. And so yeah, I don't I'm know if it was if there's just something like something with like uh, we replicating al- a uniform. If maybe you can't replicate it identically, or maybe you can't or, put that symbol. Yeah, how many times you can show that? Was, I don't know. Like Disney, maybe. I mean, cool. I mean, you're getting a lot of World War Two movies in this time where they use that stuff but not a lot of them are kids movies or family movies yeah Do you know yeah. what's interesting if if i found out that literally on the disney plus version they edited it out of that scene that wouldn't shock oh. me i don't know I, I i'm sure i would have seen something i didn't i will admit i did not google swastika bed knobs and broomsticks <laughs> okay tara in case you can't hear because she's not speaking into a microphone uh, well yes but i'm letting the, the 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 people know that she is doing the good work of Putting this onto her Google search history. I'm put it in a private tab. <laughs> she said, "I'm going to put it in a private tab." So there is nothing like specific I can find in a quick search, but the movie chat somebody mentions it, just saying like, "Hey, I noticed that it wasn't on here. Maybe like they decided to do this because it was a children's film, and yeah. they decided like it was someone saying that, and then like." People, you read the comments. Didn't I read you? the comments, and it's. Ooh. I'm not going to read them on the air, but it was just like people not understanding why that's a problem, and then people saying that the symbol was something else, and yeah, you yeah. know. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember when we there. almost made the comment section the villain we ranked in Ralph Breaks the Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my laughs> For that gosh. two seconds. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I it was a quick search that I did, but I could not find anything specific. Can I tell you two facts I forgot to mention way back at the beginning, unrelated to Nazis? Absolutely. Yes, go right let's, ahead. Let's break up this Nazi talk. Yeah. One one thing was uh, David Tomlinson, so the guy that plays Mr. Brown, um, was really good friends with Peter Sellers, mm. who he was a comedian, really famous comic actor. Oh, was, I know Peter Sellers. That's know, a big the Pink Panther guy. Pink Panther yeah. Fan oh, when I was yeah, a yeah, kid. yeah. Um, but when he was, when Peter Sellers was really, really ill um, at the very end of his life, the only person he would let visit him was David Tomlinson, and he would always oh. be able to make him laugh. So there's something about that. Like I think about him in this role, about how he's just funny and quick-witted, but also doesn't mind like splashing gravy on gravy his face, juggling apples, and something very, very like disarming and funny about him that way. Um, what was the second yeah. one? That's what I'm trying to remember. I thought I wrote it down. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if you Maybe could... the matte paintings are gorgeous in this too. Like all the old. The, oh, yeah. Oh, we're still getting yes. matte paintings yes, from yes, the yes. old Disney guy who did Mary Poppins and mm-hmm. just everything. So Let's start then. Cat- Colonel Heller with mm-hmm. Frightening. Now, it's hard for me. I think depending on who you are and, and, and the stuff, stuff behind this, it might be more frightening. But as he was depicted in this, they weren't very frightening to me. So I'm willing to give him a one unless someone else has something different. I think when you take into the account that they're having children flee from London to keep them safe, like there is this bigger threat of like 
the mm. unknown of not knowing, like the characters don't know. That's why she wants to help with the war effort is she's unsure. So I feel like you've kind of got to put that in there. I know you're basing it solely on the character, but a lot of times we judge the circumstances around it as yeah, well. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to have it too because remember I did definitely say when he woke up and he saw them and the things. And I think we're kind of a little bit talking about this specific group of this is, I never expected to be saying Nazis so much in any of these episodes, but, but yeah. I, so I'm going to give it two because it, I did say, wow, that's got to be real scary to wake up and see that. So what, yeah. what do you guys yeah. think? I think like at least a two, maybe a three. I mean, these guys show up, they cut the phone lines. I'm going They're, with a three. They've been afraid of them the whole movie is the whole reason she's, and we don't know why, we don't know all the everything. That's but a fair we, point. You know, they... The whole reason she's trying to get these spells is to fight these guys and try to prevent them. All of a sudden, they've taken them over and they've captured them. You know, I think that's so yeah. I'd, I'd say a three. Okay, two threes. Uh, funny, I'm gonna give him a one. Yeah, that's there's nothing there. Yeah, not not very funny. The only time he was funny was when they were like the object of the suits of armor attacking them, and in that I'd say like the situation was funny or the suits of armor were funny. Mm-hmm. Fierce. I think there's something to be said about the uh, you know the effectiveness of the Nazi uniform, but I'm not willing to go into that here. So I'm giving yeah, no. him a one. I'll be a one. I'm not going to sit here and talk about the drag queen energy behind this. Does anybody else? Mm-hmm. Ryan, are you? Do you want to go? What? I, I don't uh, want to deter you if you've got a good reason to give. So tough. Well, I think one of the things I'll say this when I've talked to my kids about the Nazis, one of the things I'll mention is that you know part of the initial appeal to a lot of folks is that they have a lot of cool looking stuff. They had really mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. graphic design and everything. And uh, you can't always let that fool you or make assumptions by how slick things look. And so, well now remember we have design coming up so you could save it for that if you wanted to. I will. And I didn't see a lot of Cape drama with, <laughs> yes, with him. Yeah. He seemed just to be very okay. classically military. Yeah. He wasn't mm-hmm. now. Yeah effective and i want to talk about this specific military operation and to me this is a one because i made fun of it <laughs> i think the, the the idea of the plan is stupid we're going to show we're, it feels like this is a there's another story about how this was like the goofiest submarine in the nazi <laughs> navy and they're like i don't know why don't you go take over this little tiny town just gave them something yeah. to do yeah. like a busy yeah. work and they they did sneak in in the middle of the night, so maybe I'm willing to give them a two, but they get kicked out so fast. Like, they're not there for very long. Like, they do sneak in, and I, I guess in their plans, they never went, uh, but Colonel, what if there is a witch? <laughs> like, no one, yeah. like, thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give them a two on effective. Yeah, yeah they, they didn't, they had a, it sounds like weird plan initially executed well because they captured all the headquarters and they cut all the phone lines and they showed up but then uh they got completely disrupted and just ran right back ran ran back to the sea pretty fast yeah so yeah. it was yeah. one night like they they yeah. came into the, the cover of night and they left before dawn yeah, yeah. so may, maybe yeah two maybe two tara uh, yeah i'm fine with it too uh design now again i i, I think you make a good point that if we ignore what was effective about these groups, we run into the problem of not seeing it again. Haha, <laughs> not see in it again. If oh. this is stupid. If yes. if it comes up again. So to me, I think giving them a two like insane and, and, and being willing to admit 
you know, because I I had a uh, we talked about it in in high school with Mr. Wellborn. Did you have Mr. Wellborn? Oh yeah yeah yeah, I remember Mr. Wellborn. But he would talk about so he would show us the uniform, pointing out that it was like look how you know there's this and it's the height and it makes you you see them and they look like they the reason they stand up straight is how they feel in it and it also like was to accentuate like height over someone they were their subordinates and this that and this and it was like literally designed by someone not just go like someone to to it almost fashion designers like not mm-hmm. like to to give a certain feeling so yeah for that i give it a 2 because it's also like I don't think the design of this character was hard to do because someone else did the bulk of the work for Disney yeah. Studios, but I, I do want to acknowledge that. So do you guys have a thought? This one I kind of feel a little like weird giving a number to. I know yeah. we're basing it on the movie, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like. Yeah. So I'll just go with your number is fine. Uh, or you do you want to give it a one? No, like I think it should be a five. Like, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. in real life, like, so this this one to me is hard to like, tease out the like mm-hmm. but i also don't want to give it a five because i know what our villain ranking anybody who reads first of all i don't print the actual numbers everyone gave to someone i only give the second number mm. and anyone who is going to dig deep to find out exactly what we put for these numbers is listening to the episode and is hearing all your caveats right now yeah so you go <laughs> ahead and, and and rank it however you want all right then i'm going with a five because it just makes me square mesh i agree okay yeah, I don't have a lot. I'll say this for the design of this character, they didn't deviate much from all the established stuff that mm-hmm. already exists. Yeah. So they didn't give him like a special insignia or do something weird with his, like give him yeah. a scar. It's not like weird. the red like, skull from Captain America. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's yeah. why it's like it feels too real. Yeah. Like in yeah. that sense with this yeah. specific talking yeah. point. So maybe if. I don't know. I was thinking a three just because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of inventiveness, but the, what mm-hmm. they had to work with was already so intentionally done the way it was, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give him for go away heat a five because honestly, this has been the most uncomfortable villain ranking we've ever yeah. done. And I think just the idea <laughs> yes. of talking about it is a problem. Mm-hmm. I think for parents it is. Agree. So that's to me. It's, it, it, it was because the whole time it came on, I, I thought, how are we going to talk about this thing? I think we should. Like, I think ignoring it is not the way to go. It's it's always my thought. And even yeah. if it's like everyone going, boy, they had a real bumbling villain ranking. It's like, you understand where we're coming from. Yeah, from yeah, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. Uh, yeah. Five across the board, mm-hmm. or do you want? Yeah. And did anybody have any yes factor for the uh, uh, no, the Nazi no, colonel? Absolutely. If not. you did, let's talk afterwards. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and give everyone a one yep. for the yes factor. Yeah. Hi, yeah, yeah. I will say the closest I came to yes factor in it was, ooh, these suits of armor are going to beat up these Nazis. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited to see that happen. Yeah, I liked it. He was the guy. He's the one that got the giant executioner short guy come out of the woods and like swing at him right that guy came around like twice that executioner yeah. it was a great it was a great use of it, it was a <laughs> it was, stunning it was a presence cool, <laughs> oh, it was but it was also just a very cool design like it was a cool looking mm-hmm. armor so he is in i'm gonna like kind of below the middle but um he is tied for 58th with okay. a score of 16 with Jenner from the Rats of Nim and Monstro from Pinocchio. Okay. Um, 
I think that makes some sense because Monstro is such like a force of nature, and I feel like that's the kind of thing we're dealing with here is something not necessarily a force of nature, but something that's just like inherent badness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of again, a lot of the points he got had to do with like kind of what he was representing less of how he's represented on screen and i will say this is just my opinion you guys can agree or not uh, they do play these guys almost like three stooges villains in a lot of ways if you're worried about like it being like oh my god i'm gonna have to have like hard decisions yeah he yells at them like he doesn't really yeah. do much that's super you know like comparatively to other things that yeah. a group of people might have done but mm-hmm. yeah they like show up and you're like oh my gosh who are these people and they're they capture him. What's going to happen? And then, as soon as the suits of armor come alive, it's it's like mm-hmm. cartoon, like beat up the bad guy land, which is great. Can I request yeah. an audible? Sure. Can we can we rank King Leonidas just so I feel like we get kind of like that's the sorbet, that's kind of the, the, the palate the cleanser. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, absolutely. Let's I will <laughs> absolutely. say you were the one who were kind of adamant to not rank him originally. I changed my mind. That's fine. Let's do that because I feel like we're going to come out of it with a much better energy yeah. leaving that. So King Leonidas frightening. I will say I think his growls were a little scary. At the mm-hmm. beginning, like well, especially because he he's in the tent, so you don't really know what he looks like. You kind of assume he's going to be a lion, but you mm-hmm. don't know that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's some mystery there and and some like tension. I'm willing to give him a two for sca- for frightening. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Two is what I was thinking. Uh, funny. I I don't think he's hilarious, but he's definitely like a goofy character. He's at least a three for me. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think? I, what do you guys think? I'm gonna put three. I think the whole sequence is funny. I don't know that he's su- he's funny where he picks up Brian. He's like, "You're doing great." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna do a two, but okay. I agree with you. The whole sequence is funny. I just I don't know that I found him specifically funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's. I don't find him intentionally funny, but I think he does some stuff that's really. It's him and the, his secretary bird that. Yeah, they have a good the great like yeah Bruce Wall Street Man kind of combo. It's definitely it Secretary Bird. I liked a lot. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so w- what number do you put? Uh, for- I'll do a. I'll do a three. Okay. Uh, fierce. I think he's definitely got some cape drama, uh, or some fierceness. I'm willing to give him a two. I think they do a much better job of when they when he's kind of redesigned as King Richard at the end of Robin Hood. I feel like that's got more of a like fierce design where he's like. He's kind of got like daddy energy. <laughs> like this one, he's kind of just like a big. His his piratey voice was a little off putting to me. I will say that I was like, why does he sound like a pirate? Yeah, I wonder if they, he was just trying to do something different because he does look like King Richard and and I think that King comes John. after this. Oh, does yeah, it? I think so. Does does it? Oh, that's never mind. Okay, then never mind. I guess it was just a choice. At the same time, but yeah, I think I it's a, it was just a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think for Fierce? Um, a two? Yeah, Is I'd give him a two. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think. Because he's, like you say, he has, these, has little moments, but nothing too big. Yeah. Effective. He wins the soccer game. I'm willing to give him a three for winning the soccer game. I don't think it's a very important plan. Uh, he's the ruler. Like, I don't know. Well, like, three's fine. Okay. He did defeat the sorcerer. 
and create a whole island. But is that his evil plan? His evil plan to me is to cheat and win the soccer game. Like that's I his guess evil the moment <laughs> we're meeting him, yes, yes, I'm more thinking about his accomplishments in life. But yeah, I guess you're right. In also, that case, also yeah. he lost the star, so like, I yeah, don't yeah, okay. He, but he got the people out of his island again. He still gets to keep his little kingdom. I mean, no you guys peopling. could put any no. number I'll you want. I'll go with a three. That's fine. Ryan? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of think four, just because the only thing he didn't accomplish was keeping the star, which he wasn't thinking about. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't part of a real plan, so kind of got his way all the rest of the way. Mm. Um, design, I'm going to give him a three there, too, because I think he's definitely the midpoint coming into the much better Prince John King Richard design. Yeah. But he's mm-hmm. still pretty cool. I like that he's I like his soccer outfit like that he has on underneath and like I, I just he's got a very distinctive look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like a three because I mean he does look like the uh like the country bumpkin kind of king. I don't I don't know if that's not the exact kind of phrasing, but he like he looks a, a little bit of the unkempt. People. Yeah, yeah. He looks like somebody who's comfortably been in leadership for a long time and has a pouch now, a paunch. A paunch. <laughs> yes, a paunch. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still, he's got, he's, he's out there playing, like he's doing cardio, so. That's he can, true. He can yeah. still run. Yeah, uh, a three. A two, I guess. Okay. Like, I agree with what you guys are saying. I just don't feel strongly, so. Uh, he had no go-away heat with me. Yeah, same. Yeah. I'm going to give him a little bit of yes factor simply because it's less about him and more about the... Like I was excited for the soccer and the animated portion of it, which it kind of associated with him. But in yeah. a, and I was cool. I was like, I want. I don't know how this guy. Sa- I will say that for some reason has always escaped my my knowledge of this movie is what he sounds like. So that was the one mm-hmm. thing I was waiting for. I've seen stuff of him, but I never heard his voice. Yeah. So he got a two for me for yes factor. Do you guys have any? What do you guys? Want two is fine for me. You don't have to yeah. put that if you don't agree with it. I I don't I don't feel strongly one way or the other. So do you want to do two or one? Two is fine. Okay. And Ryan, you have two? Yeah, two. He is actually ranked lower than... Oh, okay. Uh, ah. He is a 15.7. All right. I do think he's not the greatest villain. So he is tied with Assistant Mayor Bellwether and mm-hmm. Mr. Scroop for 62nd. Okay. Finally, it's would we keep this movie or would we uh, uh, put it in the vault? There's something I kind of want to want to bring up real quick first. I feel like since Mary Poppins, this podcast has been doing something where we're trying to chase that high of Mary Poppins. It's why we did Pete's Dragon. <laughs> it's why we ended up finally doing Mary Poppins Returns. And this movie, I think, finally came the closest in, li- in, in which we felt. So to me, ranking the four like Mary Poppins-esque movies, it's mm. to me... Mary Poppins, this, Mary Poppins Returns, and then Pete's Dragon is a Yeah, far I last. don't think I put Pete's Dragon on the list, and I know there's a lot I, of people who are hating me out I there I would that. as something that's trying to recapture yeah. Mary Poppins, there and are it some fails. Good, there are a couple good moments in Pete's Dragon, but... The song about child abuse is, is a high great. point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. I, yeah, I, I think it, it gave me the... the the feel, the warm and fuzzies, right, that you get from Mary Poppins. Like, it gave me similar yeah. feelings, and there were moments that I really enjoyed, and it felt like, even though it was mapped in a similar mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. that Mary Poppins is, I still feel like it was different enough. Yeah. That it, like, yeah. I didn't feel like I was constantly comparing it mm-hmm. to Mary Poppins. Ryan, uh, what do you think? I mean, I feel like we know, but... Oh, yeah, definitely. I think... 
is a keeper. That's what I think of is that this, this comes the closest to capturing some of that Mary Poppins magic and feeling and vibe Mm -hmm. just, just in the adventure they get to go on and how there's some real places and magical places and there's some fun song and dance and special effects and just have that good Sherman Brothers songs. Like it really captures that, that Mary Poppins esque mood that I, I would want. Yeah. I, if I did get a version of this up on the shelf, I would definitely be the shorter version, though. I will say that. That was the big thing I had going against this. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, here we go. Um, yeah. And and if we could delete the, the couple references to women losing things. And, and yeah, you know. <laughs> and now how are we going to have fun? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being with us on, on, on the at the end of our Disney journey for, for the time being. I know. Yeah, it's great. Thank we you. did it. We did it. Um, made it. Do uh, as always, we ask our guests to plug something, whether it's uh, a personal project, a you know piece of media they've been enjoying, or something they've you know uh, uh, some just general sentiment they want to put out there in the world. Ryan, feel free to plug away. Thank you. Um, I don't know about y'all. I'm I'm uh, not super excited about moving into election season <laughs> over the next several months. And yeah, yeah, I feel that. Over the next several months of an election that's not going to happen till next year. That's what it's getting bigger. It's like Christmas creeping into Halloween. (laughs) Halloween. Yeah. If Christmas were like the angry Thanksgiving conversations that you have, (laughs) you know, like just not. So just uh, I guess the thing I would plug would just be, you know, take care of yourself and, you know, be patient with people and get away from people or just do what you need to do to get through the it's not fun season that might be coming up mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah totally agree um well tara i feel like we need to thank everybody it's been such I a know, big it's deal it's been such a journey and thank you to all the listeners for joining us on this ride as well as all of our guests uh that we've had uh we've had a lot of recurring guests we've had um some one-timers and everyone in between and mm-hmm. i i've enjoyed this more than I thought and I I'm a completionist so I'd like to say from the beginning I thought we'd get here but I don't know that I thought we'd continue to do this like once the pandemic was like not in full swing where I mean, everyone was once we weren't being quarantined yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that's kind of what this started as but it's really been quite joyful I've enjoyed it quite a bit Carly put it best where she said that it felt like we were going through a the history of animation class. Yeah. I feel like that now jumping back, like, thank you again, Ryan, for bringing this up. Cause I totally agree with you. Like this was definitely worth doing. Be, yeah, it was it kind of fun to here. go back to that era and do that. But it, it, it's, it's the whole thing, you know, it's hard for me to suggest, like, if people are like, Ooh, do you think we should watch all the Disney movies start to finish? I'm like, my brain is like, yes. And you should start a podcast and you should talk about it. You should invite <laughs> people who are animators on and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, like yeah. this has been a great journey. Now we're not done. You know, we are we are going to take a pretty long break, and we will be yeah. checking in every once in a while. This will be come out after our mailbag episode, so we'll announce some of the stuff we've done. We have Pinocchio month. We have, uh, you know, we keep t- there's some there's the uh, bracket, which I think when this comes out, we'll have one whoever will know what our our movie we're doing in between, and that is of course the Muppet movie. And you know, there's a couple other stuff we'll do, but we're probably going to take a little bit of an extra long break because of things that are going on in our life and things like that. Um, and also we deserve it. <laughs> also we deserve it. But I'm like, again, we're taking a bl- break, but I'm like, we should do this during the break. We should do this during the break. And, yeah. like, and I'm trying to like give it's us like some time to do this, break. but also 
kind of check in every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And our big plan for returning our next season that we'll do is Don Bluth. Yes. So we're going to go through about. and do all the Don Bluth stuff. I think we talked. We, we will have talked about it in our mailbag. You know, we got plans beyond that, but that's the plan coming up. So stick with us. Watch this this space wherever you get our podcast. Continue to uh, subscribe, and you'll get them in your feed. Thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us on this Disney journey, and uh, we'll see you guys in whenever we see you next, probably for Pinocchio Month. But thanks for listening, guys. Take care, listeners. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you've got a Disney story to share, a bone to pick with us, or just want to say hello, call the Princess Diaries hotline at 707-YO-TRPD-1. That's 707-968-7731. You can send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com, tweet at us at trpdiaries on Twitter, or check out our Instagram at trprincessdiaries. Join the Facebook group to post Disney memes, vote in our Disney theme brackets, and meet other fairy tale friends. Facebook.com slash groups slash TR Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Check out pods.link slash TR Princess Diaries for all the places you can find us on the web including how you can support us through our coffee account or our Redbubble merchandise store. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Uh